Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, wake up. It's 7 o'clock here on the Wake Up Call. I think the last words that I heard before we went on the air, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dighton, I'm Andy Sweeney. I was running down the hallway, and I heard, oh, man, it's going to be two weeks of Jimmy Cook being happy. And that's what it's going to be. We have our Super Bowl set. Wow, what a weekend for the Pacers. Indiana basketball can't make a three. And Purdue, they're seniors, KB. They finally get a win there uh, at the rack in Rutgers. Thanks for joining us here on this Monday on the Fan as always, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. KB, a good morning to you, Mark. A good morning to you. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Good morning to you guys as well as we uh, wrap up the month of January here. Boy, the Pacers, what a special month it, it's been. And you know, What I, a weekend. I don't think I would have used the word <laughs> special as you told me on January 1. Tyrese Halliburton's going to miss 10 games this month. But they are now 10-6 here in January. Uh, some very entertaining college basketball here statewide this weekend. And the Super Bowl is set. It will be Chiefs and 49ers. And, God, can you imagine being a Lions fan today? I, I just, um, you know, th- those chances do not grow on trees. Um, I think back to the Bills a few years ago when they obviously had the 13 seconds with Kansas City. And I don't know, maybe it wasn't as excruciating as that, but to be up 17. And really just in a blink of an eye. I, I-, I felt like... I literally had like gone upstairs, brushed my teeth, and next thing you know, I'm like, holy, is the game tied? Yeah, it was a blink of an eye, but it was also a slow death, it felt well, like. Well, there were five like, just it's unbelievable. huge plays yeah. within the, whatever, six or seven minute span. Obviously, Dan Campbell, uh, I, 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 think the, I think the criticism of him uh, in those moments, and I think there's a moment not a lot of people are talking about either, uh, I think are very fair, so... We'll certainly get to that today, and uh, boy, Patrick Mahomes does it again. And what an effort, I think, by the Chiefs defense. We, we, we probably won't focus on it as much as we should, but uh, to make Lamar Jackson look like that, to totally stymie and neutralize. And, and Andy, I don't know about you, I thought the Chiefs sent a message from like the opening snap. We're going to defer, we're going to all of a sudden put our defense. I mean, think about like the Kansas City defense. Like you, you just don't think of them like they can do the heavy lifting, it's, and it's they the, did that. It's the team the they have early. this year. It's the team they have, right? They understand they don't have the weapons. Uh, Kadarius Tony getting on Instagram live right before, <laughs> right before the game was quite something. But uh, it's the heart of a champion, and I don't know. You know, Kansas City goes and they move on. Um, and listen, I know there's all the funny stuff. We're tired of the Chiefs. We're tired of this. We're tired of that. I mean, there is a sense of, boy, greatness. You're watching it. There is the sense of, as well, you know, I told you guys it was uh, it was the most Lamar Jackson game because it all wasn't on him. His numbers are still good. They're not bad. But the interception in the end zone, uh, the turnovers this team had to Zay Flowers, um, you know, big um, taunting play, just yeah. stupid things. And this was a historically great team going into the postseason. They win their first postseason game. And yeah, they don't grow on trees. And the Detroit Lions just a, you know, it was it was a stab wound to the gut but then they had to sit there for the entire second half and watch themselves bleed out, right? Like you felt like is someone, anyone going to make a play that's going to stop the bleeding? And St. Brown had the big play in the fourth quarter, the 30-40 yard play where they finally connected on one. You thought maybe that was it but 
just an absolute heartbreaking scene. And there were a lot of Detroit Lion fans there in San Francisco yeah, last so, night. Quite a bit. Someone uh, messaged me late in the game and was like, or I, I guess m- more or less in the third quarter, was like, man, the Lions are puking everywhere. And I thought <laughs> maybe violently puking is probably the better way to put it. Uh, and then oh, I think somewhere man. there's an Eminem mom spaghetti joke that you could well, probably you saw him. That was that, in there was I being fooled it. by the internet? He was tossing the double bird. No, was that before I, I, the game? I he was going was double him. bird. Yeah, okay, yeah. Which I think I, he was just saying hello. <laughs> I absolutely hello. love that. Uh, but yeah, just it, it, two very I, I I thought pretty two entertaining games. I know maybe Baltimore Kansas City didn't have those moments, but you got third and nine of the game on the line and just vintage Kansas City. Vintage Patrick Mahomes, he dials one up, and that throw was so, so good. Right on the money to Valdez Scantling to ice that game. And um, just why, I, I tweeted out, why do I ever bet against Mahomes? Like, why? Yeah, but if, if me or Mark would have said, why are you betting against Mahomes? You would have thought you knew better. You I would know. have bet for the Ravens. You would I have know. bet against Mahomes, and we'd be sitting here in the same spot on Monday. And now he's about <laughs> to have a third straight game, it looks like, where he's getting points. The early line on the Super Bowl is indeed Boy, that uh, second half. San Francisco favored by two in this <sighs> one. Uh, obviously, we'll get to a lot on the Dan Campbell front, the fourth down decisions. Um, I, I I guess I'll just go here to lead off, Andy. I, I, I know this one probably won't be talked about a lot. I thought it was totally idiotic by the Lions to attempt a run there on third and goal with a minute to go in the game. If you want to crunch numbers and you want to believe in analytics and all of that, what you are saying with that play is if we don't get in, the game is over. Because onside kick successes is beyond a shot in the dark. I mean, what do, I think um, Jim Nate or uh, whoever was on the call, Kevin Kevin Burkhardt said like 2 of 47 this yeah, they, year? They gave this tag. You're just not going to get the onside so I, kick. Basically, once you get stuff there, the game is over. How, had you decided to throw it and it's an incomplete pass, you then score on fourth down like they did. Andy, that's a minute to go with three timeouts. There, you could honestly, if you wanted to, you could kick it deep. And yes, Chris McCaffrey had some nice moments, but there were a lot of times where Detroit's run defense was great. And Brock Purdy throwing on third down with the, with the Super Bowl on the line, game on the line, something like that. You know, that that could look a little different there. So I thought that decision by Campbell, certainly the fourth downs we will talk about, bypassing those field goal attempts and all of that. And again, they had a lot of guys that had moments within that stretch to make plays for them. And to your point, stop the bleeding, and they didn't do it. But still, I thought that play, if you're going to preach analytics and we're going to be aggressive and this and that, there's no numbers that sit there and say, hey, yeah, we're going to rely on an onside kick to try and win the football game. Listen, you're spot on, and we'll get to the Pacers here in a second because what a weekend. By the way, Pat Forty, uh, he was hanging out with Indiana State over the weekend. He'll join us coming up at about 9.05 today uh, on the wake-up call. KB, I-, I think you're being too nice. You're being too nice. It was the end of that Lions game, and and I don't know the answer. I know everyone gets on Twitter and they say how every single coach, they need a clock management guy. And listen, we saw it sometimes uh, this season with Shane Steichen. I mean, I can think of three or four games where we had the conversation uh, with Shane Steichen on taking the points or going for it in a particular spot. Listen, you may not like that Dan Campbell is not going to kick a 45- to 55-yard field goal, that he is going to go for it, okay? And the numbers, a lot of times, bear out that in those fourth and shorts, and especially given that that is the DNA of his team, that they should go 
for it. If you don't like that, that's fine. If the numbers are too close and you say, I'm going to kick it, understandable, okay? We can have a conversation about that. We can have a football discussion, if you will, about that. What you saw at the end of that game was coaching malpractice by the Detroit Lions. And, I mean, I'll go back, and I don't even know. Listen, Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, is now the numbers for the offense will look even better if the damn wide receivers for the Lions could catch the football if they don't turn it over, okay? That's one of the crazy things. Like, Jared Goff didn't melt down, and they had the second half that they had that was absolutely a meltdown. But, I mean, the entire time, KB, they could have kicked, the, kicked a field goal with like a minute 30 on the clock. I was fine and, and with even them played, going for the yeah, touchdown. No, I, listen, I'm with you, but they could have even played that game. So they said, no, nah, we're going to go down. We're down 10. We're going to score no matter what. Okay, we're, gonna, we're, we're going for this touchdown. Understandable. And then running it on third down and not running... I mean, if you're going to go for it on fourth down, that's fine. But don't call the timeout or run the field goal kicker on. It'll take seven, eight, nine seconds and kick the field goal. But to waste that timeout, to burn that timeout. I think Greg Olson tried to bring that up during the game. And I don't know if he just got overpowered because it's the moment and everything else. But when you do that, now it's all up to an onside kick. And like you said, the chance of you getting an onside kick in the NFL is squarely under 5%. If you're playing the numbers, it is the low budget play uh, that you can have. I, I just, I can't believe. I wish I knew if that was on Campbell uh, or Ben Johnson. And well, what Campbell the, can override sure, him. Sure, I just wish I knew what Campbell the conversation the was and there. Says to ben Johnson, we cannot be tackled in bounds right now. Like, we, 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 so run plays are are gone. We cannot afford any sort of risk there. With that, I probably had more of an issue on the two fourth downs because they bypassed field goals on two separate occasions. I had more of the issue on the first one. Um, to me, context matters. Context matters so much when you're discussing amount of aggression, um, how often you go for fourth downs, all of that. A week five, fourth and three against Mark's Bears is not the same thing as a week, as a conference championship, fourth and week three. Week 20, what is it? Week 21? What are, yeah, what, where are we what at? What are we even at? Well, the game's 24-10. What you're talking against, about, it's 24-10. You're the beginning of the third quarter. Uh, midway through the third quarter. If you kick the field goal there, Andy, you are up three, and you make it. About which seven minutes to go. Is not a guarantee, but Michael Badgley, you know, whatever. It's north of 70%. It's a 45-yard kick. It's decent weather. You would hope that he would make that. If he makes that, you are up three scores with seven minutes to go, and now you've said to Kyle Shanahan, you've got to abandon your game plan. You cannot continue to stick with great balance the rest of the way and sprinkle in Christian McCaffrey and not put too much on the plate of Brock Purdy. You're telling Kyle Shanahan, your offensive line better get used to pass protecting a whole lot here, and you're sending a message to your defensive guys, pin your ears back. We have an opportunity here to try and really kind of finish the game, end the game with one big turnover, and you put San Francisco in a position, Andy, they haven't been in all year. How many times do you think San Francisco's been down 17 midway through the third quarter? Well, they, they've had the stat second half, fourth quarter, that if they're down, they, they've won one time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, they uh, don't win games. To me, this is where all the context matters. I don't, yes, Dan Campbell, uber aggressive head coach. A lot of that I like. A lot of that I agree with. But context, opponent, score, time, all of that matters. I hate the people out there that are like, no, no, no. You got here because you were aggressive. You got to go down fighting this and that. I could not disagree with that more. There is so much that goes into these sorts of situations. It's a week-to-week league. Personnel dictates so much. Again, if you go up 
17 there. Because even if you were to score a touchdown, it's still a three-possession game. So in my opinion, it's all about stretching it to three. Get to that third possession, because when you do that, midway through the third quarter, you say to San Francisco, guys, throw out the game plan that you prepped all week for. That is gone. You've got to now do things out of, you know, really out of ordinary to try and get back in this game. And I thought that was the biggest mistake that uh, that Campbell made there on the first field goal attempt. Yeah, so for people that, that went to sleep, that fell, that fell asleep, maybe you're up early this morning, you haven't seen it. Again, it's a 24-10 game. They go for it on fourth down. Uh, and then the Niners just score, what, one, two, three, four, five possessions in a row. Every possession of the second half, the Niners score and then, you know, there's little plays, you know, they so they go for it on that for, first, you know, they're up 14 other Lions, and they go for it, and they don't get it. This is what KB's talking about. San Francisco comes back, they score a touchdown. All right, it's 24-17, still got a lead. You can understand that the ship is starting to be wobbly. Well, the whole boom, place is rocking. Boom, boom, the first play, Detroit fumbles. Yeah, Gibbs, Goff Gibbs, and Gibbs, Gibbs run into lay, each other. Gibbs, yeah. Leo lays it down on the turf, another touchdown, now it's tied, and then a play that will never be talked about. It's 24-24. The Lions go three and out. And their putter, bless his heart, I need to look up his name. Jake Fox, has Has the absolute punt of all punts. Mm -hmm. He has a 75-yard punt. It's perfect. It literally hits at the two-yard line. And the Lions guy, you know, basically catches it and has his feet in the end zone. And so you got to bring it out uh, on the touchback there. And again, that's just, it goes into the sloppy play because if that's week five against Mark Dighton, Chicago Bears, they probably make that play, and the now it's first and ten. Slander I've heard uh, in this segment. Well, you know, KB went here? with it, so I'm going with it. I was done after the first one, to be fair, Mark. Uh, and then obviously well, they also had a missed sack of Purdy. They had him swallowed up on about, like the well, first three down times. on one of the first possessions there, as things were starting to snowball. Um, but yeah, I, I just I cannot get behind, it. in particular the the first attempt. I. The second one, when you're down three, the field goal would have been a little bit longer. You know, listening to Campbell's rationale after the game of, you know, if you give it back there to San Francisco and you don't have the lead, you know, they can really bleed the clock. I could maybe understand that one. But for me, if you're going to talk about Campbell and you're going to talk about criticisms today, it's bypassing the first field goal attempt. And more than anything, it's running it on third and goal there with a minute to go because at that point such a you bad had play said, call. if we get stopped here the game is over if you throw it with three timeouts great time management in the second half not to use any of those timeouts Andy you've got a legit chance to still win that football game or at least send it into overtime there so obviously plenty of that conversation we will get to throughout the show coming up at nine o'clock Pat 40 he was actually over in Terre Haute this weekend, we talked about it at the start, some extremely entertaining entertaining moments college basketball-wise. Got a little Hinkle Magic on a Saturday afternoon. That was a pretty good game to give away some tickets to. It was a good game. Double that's OT. All, that's all I thought. I hope the people that we gave tickets to went to the game. What a game. Outstanding comeback there. Late, awful start for Butler. Huge comeback. They get a much-needed one. Uh, Indiana, I guess we're in the moral victory of let's clap our hands, and Xavier Johnson was good for 30-some minutes, and then all of a sudden... Uh, the final minute, uh, it was not good at all for Indiana and trying to steal one on the road. So they continue uh, to be really just a, a very poor basketball team when you look at preseason expectations and where they're at now. Uh, with one more game to go in January, tomorrow night, it'll be Iowa and Purdue uh, winning in different ways. We've talked about it before. And uh, in the rack, the first time that senior class has won there. Uh, big first half lead, and then they hold on to beat Rutgers there. 
Was that three straight on the road now since it, they dropped a couple? It is, and that senior class finally gets the win at Rutgers. And we've talked about, you especially, talked about Purdue winning in different ways. This was yet another way. You get the lead, you're on the road, you double digits, it's feeling good. Wait a minute, now it's a big game. And then, you know, in the final minutes, pulling away yet again for a second time. That was, I say, a nice win. I don't know. Purdue fans are probably not happy the way they played for stretches of that second half. But uh, it's a road win. That was was a game you very well could have lost and you didn't. And now what a week for them. They get the rematch with Northwestern on Wednesday and then Andy as we look ahead to Sunday that is Purdue at Wisconsin and right now if you look at the Big Ten standings where things are, those two teams, Illinois I think lurking a little bit but again Purdue's already beaten them earlier this year. Uh, Just a huge one for the Big Ten the rest of the way with that. Plenty of Pacers conversation. Sounds like Tyrese Halliburton going to get back to practice today. Again, tomorrow nationally televised in Boston. The Celtics do play tonight. I am curious how Boston might handle <laughs> their lineup tonight versus... They're, they're going to handle like Philly did over the weekend? Tomorrow night. <laughs> Doesn't the NBA, aren't they saying, you know, rest the guys for the non-nationally televised? <laughs> yeah, again. So you rest them tonight? Yeah, over, over the weekend, the Sixers rested everyone for their nationally televised game against the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, no Embiid. Yeah, no, no Maxi, no Embiid, no Tobias Harris. This is fantastic. Uh, but what a weekend for the Pacers. Certainly Friday night, I, I, one of the games of the year. Then yesterday, at times I was flipping back and forth. I'm like, wait a minute, why am I flipping back and forth? I, I don't know any of these Memphis groups. Grizzlies players at all. <laughs> Benedict Matherin, outstanding. Uh, and the Pacers made enough plays late to stretch that win streak to three games. Good Monday morning to you. Thank you for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5107.5. The fan. All right, time for your morning check down. Reminder, Pat Forty going to join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll get to our goats of the weekend in about an hour or so. Let's wrap things up in the NFL, and then we'll move on to the Pacers in a busy week of college basketball. It will be Niners and Chiefs in the Super Bowl in a couple weeks, 6.30 on CBS. Now, that spread opened at about 3, KB. It's down to 1 in some places, uh, so people immediately jumped on, hey, I get the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy reading back. Mahomes with a field goal, I'll go ahead and take it. So uh, that's kind of the news over the last 20 hours or so, maybe not even that 15 hours uh, or so, but obviously the two big games, Chiefs over the Ravens, 17-10 last night. Lions, that big 17-point lead, they gave it up. They lose to the the Niners 34-31, and we've talked about the fourth down decisions there with Dan Campbell. Here's what he had to say post-game. I just felt really good about us converting and uh getting our momentum and and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, and I wanted to get the upper hand back, um, you know. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't. We didn't come through. We wasn't able to. To work out, but I just I don't I don't, and I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. Um, but you know, we just just didn't work out. Specifically, there, I think he was referencing the second bypassing of the field goal. What they were down three, was that right? When they uh, elected to go for the fourth down there, the second time around, uh, that that was the question that he was asked there. Plenty to get to there, and uh, boy, that Baltimore game. To think that Zay Flowers, how about the taunting penalty and standing over and I guess pushing down uh, Ladarius Sneed, the guy that punched the ball out <laughs> on the goal line, was Ladarius Sneed on Zay Flowers there. So 
I guess if you believe in karma, you got it. So did you say CBS? That means I got it to do Romo CBS, and Nance. CBS, baby. You got Romo Dear and Nance. Lord, do you see everyone crying for Greg Olson yesterday? I think Olson's Olsen, outstanding. Yeah, because Olson's outstanding, but you know who's coming. The GOAT. Tom Brady's coming next year, so well, Olson will get bumped down to the well, two is, spot well, I, there. Is right? that the GOAT playing in the Super Bowl, number 15 for the Chiefs? <laughs> well, this is the original GOAT. This is one of the original GOATs. I suggested, like, if they really bump Olsen for Tom Brady next year with Kevin Burkhart, maybe Olsen can jump to CBS and take over for Tony Romo because he's terrible at his job and have Nance and Olsen. I, I actually was kind of hoping for just Collinsworth exit and then you'd get Olsen over on NBC with Tariko. I mean, I like that too. I don't mind Collinsworth as much. Tony Romo is just, he's bad. Uh, speaking of bad, the opposite would be the Indiana Pacers here in the month of January. 10-6 and six in a brutal, brutal month. They win on Friday night. Boy, I feel like we've had these Mondays, Andy, where we, we come back, there's been two Pacers games, and just some wild games. Devin Booker goes off for 62 on Friday night. The Pacers, though, despite giving up 80, they come back and beat the Suns. The final possession literally looked like one team trying and one team not. I tweeted out right after Obi Toppin put it back in, and the Pacers won that game. There's just something to be said for pure effort. And if you watch that final play and the amount of offensive rebounds the Pacers created there for the game winner, that is exactly what it was. How about Toppin? 23-11 and 11 in 33 minutes off the bench, uh, right around trade rumor season, a week from Thursday. So the Pacers beat the Suns, certainly one of the games of the year for Indiana. And then yesterday, if you missed it, honestly, probably not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I maybe knew two Grizzlies players <laughs> in that entire game. Uh, it was a game that Indiana rested a lot, too. Miles Turner, um, TJ McConnell uh, did not play in that game. Halliburton continues to be out. It, it kind of screamed of a Benedict Matherin game. Very slow, sluggish start. Needed a jolt. Matherin gave that to Indiana, and then they held on from there. Memphis was that without four of their top five scores in that one. 116-110. So, again, three in a row, Andy, for the Pacers. And another difficult week on paper. Yes, you'll benefit from not being on the back-to-back tomorrow in Boston, whereas the Celtics are on a back-to-back. But then you're at New York Kings on Friday. That is a back-to-back. That's back here in Indianapolis. So another tough week here to close out January and start February. Now, you, you did know Scotty Pippen Jr. on the Grizzlies, right? He's one of the ones you knew? Yeah, but I'm always <laughs> nervous about the other Pippen. <laughs> The woman Pippin, right? Larsa? Larsa Pippin? His mom? Is that where you're going with this? Aren't there some off the floor, maybe, questions? <laughs> well, she's with Michael Jordan's son. She's with Michael Jordan's son yeah. now. Yeah, that's a, that's a big story. I'm always nervous. It's all the top stories in the M- NBA history, I, quite I mean, frankly. One of the big reasons that Ring yeah. of Honor was such a bleep show it's, with the United States. Yeah, it's the only reason I know he played four minutes last night. I would like to think I know the NBA decently well, <laughs> and I kid you not, some of these dudes that got in the, the game yesterday from Memphis, I'm like, where are these people from? Yeah, I didn't know. Listen, I didn't know. I, I did not know a number of these I mean, guys. I'm I had to from look Indiana, up their game I know log. John Conchar, but like there was literally like ISO <laughs> ball for John Conchar late in the game. I'm like, what is going on here? It was very random. I know we'll talk about it next segment, but I just if you go back to Thursday, we had the very happy show on Friday. That Thursday, Friday, Sunday, you mentioned January, and you're right with the ten and six, but 
at the end of the year, if this team uh, is one of those top like five seeds in the playoffs, we're going to go back to a long weekend like we just came through where they got three big-time wins, yeah. and they worked harder than their opponents well, in all three of them. And, and again, especially Friday night. You, you were on the back-to-back. Yeah. It was the big three. I can't believe they Booker won that game. Booker goes off for what, I know. 29 in the first quarter. Siakam was great on on Friday night. Uh, so, yes, it, it just an unbelievable, really, month of January. And when we have Rick Carlisle on tomorrow, I guess about 24 hours from now, Andy, this team without Halliburton. And, and I get like the Siakam trade can kind of skew some of that over the last handful of games. But even before the Siakam trade, you know, they won in Miami. The night Halliburton got hurt against Boston, that huge second-half comeback here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, they've just been such a better team this season without him in the lineup Vitally important for the Pacers as they now are the sixth seed. Is that correct? I think uh, as we close out the month of yeah, January, I haven't looked at it, but one guy, Andrew Nemhard, the last four games, eighteen and eight, fifty-seven percent from the field, has been fantastic. Yeah, big game clinching assist last night, Jalen Smith. All right, college basketball from this weekend. I guess we can kind of start in chronological order. Uh, Indiana loses at Illinois, seventy to sixty-two. You know, without Khalil Ware. And how poorly Indiana's played this season, I guess part of me is like, should we stand up and clap and say, like, good effort? Kind of like the Kansas game. But unfortunately, when the resume looks like you uh, like you have right now, you just can't do that. And, and again, more the astonishing thing is just the absolutely archaic way Indiana <laughs> has to play basketball. They do not make a three-pointer. They are 12 of 22 from the foul line. <laughs> like, the, the, the State University of Indiana... <laughs> Well, they've had the same issue all season, so at least they've been consistent. Indiana State <laughs> leads college basketball in three-point shooting, correct? Oh, do they? Yeah, they might after Saturday. I'll look it up. Who so leads college that drive basketball? Is from Bloomington oh, to Terre Haute, maybe that yeah. might be needed. And to Purdue, find. and Purdue, you know, can shoot the three ball as well. They've been known to do that this season. Uh, first time Indiana hasn't made a three since 2010. Uh, Bobby Capabianco and Jeremiah Rivers in the starting lineup. For that game, Uh, Xavier Johnson, again, a lot of very positive minutes. It was good Xavier uh, for quite some time, but he missed two free throws to try to tie the game with 40 seconds to go, and Illinois made all the plays there in the final 30 seconds. So Indiana loses in Champaign. At the same time, that was going on. How about Butler? Uh, You talk about a little Hinkle magic. They come back, beat Villanova in double OT, 88-81. They were down 15-2 to at one point, missed their first 10 shots of the field. Andy, we talked about it with Thad Mott on Friday. Butler's got to pluck some of these if they want to create more of that NCAA tournament resume. Very important for them on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, if they would have lost that game, boy, it, it would have been, I don't want to say their season would have been over, but it would have been one of those, hey, you're at home. Villanova's not a great team. They're a fine team. Villanova was coming off, what, three straight losses we talked about last week. Uh, and to come back and to win that game, I watched large portion, uh, portions of that game. That motto was feeling himself, too. He, he, got, he got some... You got some claps. You no, got some. We got some. Let's go. Yeah, you got he, some. Let's goes on the bench from. I Thad. know he told us he didn't pay attention to the bubble, but he knows full <laughs> well what that meant. Speaking of the bubble, Indiana State in OT, they stave off Bradley 95-86, first sellout since 2019 for them when they were honoring the 1979 national runner-up. Uh, so very important for Indiana State, not only in the MoVal in terms of the standings, but to pad any potential at-large resume. And then Purdue on Sunday, 68-60 over Rutgers. That is now three straight road wins. Zach Eady, 26-12. and 12. Brain Smith scoring 19 points for him. And Lance Jones, and he goes 1 of 10 from the field. 
10 rebounds, 8 assists, 5 steals. You talk about impacting the game in other ways. And boy, if you're Indiana and you look at the top of the Big Ten and you look at some transfers that have impacted those teams, do you think that could couldn't be a benefit to Mike Woodson's bunch? I, I think Indiana fans are just done. Like, I don't think they're even like, yeah, they're angry, but I don't think it's like moral victory. I just think they're done. Like, they know they go into many of these games knowing that they're just going to lose these games. Yeah, you kept well, it Saturday close. Was but, the nail in the coffin. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you kept it close, but the rest of the I mean, I think, you know, mucking the game up and Xavier Johnson playing better, and I don't know, you look at it and say, a little too late. Like that's how, that's that's how a lot of you know Indiana buddies that I have like they're not they're not angry anymore they're not giving hot takes anymore they're just ready for the season to be over it's not even February yet they're just ready for the season to be over that's how I view it too God, that's how I view an, it what an awful feeling I I, it, I mean it is I mean it's great for Purdue by the way Braden Smith got off the Schneid um, Zach Eady with two thousand points thousand rebounds they talked about that post game uh, Jones is disastrous I mean doesn't make a three has all the assists has the rebounds good weekend for the Purdue for uh, so Purdue. coming up Indiana. At, or excuse me, Indiana hosting Iowa tomorrow night. Purdue hosting Northwestern on Wednesday. Don't need to stay up late for either of those. 7 o'clock for Indiana, Purdue Northwestern, 6.30. And again, Purdue and Wisconsin coming up on Sunday. That is a huge one when you look at the Big Ten standings. All right, on the other side, we'll get more to the Pacers and also double back on conference championship weekend. What were the differences in San Francisco and Kansas City getting it done? We'll chat about that on the other side. Coming up in a Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. About an hour. We'll give our, our goats of the weekend. Interesting to see where the guys will go with that. Pat Forty, Sports Illustrated. He was hanging out with Indiana State this weekend. He'll join us coming up at the nine o'clock hour. I love those Indiana State jerseys, by the way. Uh, yeah, I do. I do love the Indiana State jerseys. Uh, speaking of Indiana State. I was hanging out with JMV a little bit on Friday. Did you know that? Really? Oh, yeah. A lot of people asking about you. Hey, Did you go to the was, Mutt? I went to the Mutt. I went up there. Yeah, it's like a mile mutt. It's like a mile and a half from my, from my home. Nice. J- JMV was doing this thing. Let's get Sweeney drunk and see how much he can drink. I'm like, listen, I'm not good at many things, JMV. This happens uh, to be one of them. But, you know, JMV was like... Basically, you know, save some Rick Carlisle for everybody else. And I said, no, I don't know if we're going to be. I, like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. Now he does have uh, Buchanan, Chad Buchanan, today, I believe. Okay, uh, in the so ten days ahead of the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, that's which now, is pretty good. Get obviously week and a half away. I Go don't want to get too greedy here, but sure. we could be getting some Halliburton news tomorrow morning. Right? Oh, there's no doubt. I'm expecting at eight oh two tomorrow. So Rick Carlisle, out, right? listen, it's welcome in. You know, Rick Carlisle to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, how many minutes is Tyrese Halliburton playing tonight? It'll be a leading question. It won't even be how much is he or is he going to play. It'll be how many minutes is he going to play on his return. So the Pacers <laughs> will practice today at noon, and I say practice of like teams in the NBA just don't practice yeah. very often. And he's anymore. supposed to practice, and so yeah, the thought is he will practice today after not playing yesterday. Uh, and then they will board a flight to Boston later today and tomorrow night, 7.30. That is the lone scheduled nationally televised game of the year. I, I Obviously, they played the in-season tournament game, so this was the one at the start of the season that Halliburton had kind of circled on the calendar. So not only an injury update potentially on Halliburton, but Miles Turner as well. Back spasms for him 
he did not play yesterday. It almost had the feel yesterday, and I didn't want to read too much into it, but like when Memphis is what? Eight guys on the inactive list. I think they had four of their top five scores out. It was like, oh, okay, let's not rush anybody either. You know, Miles, okay, you just sit down. Uh, yeah. Tyrese, we do not need to force the issue here whatsoever. And again, I thought Matherin set the tone early on. It, it was a very rocky, kind of an ugly start to the game. I was flipping back and forth like, man, I should just focus on the AFC championship game a little <laughs> bit more. But then Matherin provided that big spark in the second quarter. And the Pacers made enough plays there down the stretch to stave off a Memphis team that you had to have the program handy to know who was in the game. Yeah, I know this is the wrong way, and Carlisle would hate, hate uh, the thought that this is how people view it, but when they won Thursday and then they won Friday, it was kind of one of those things where you knew Halliburton wasn't playing on Sunday. Like, if you thought maybe, okay, uh, because, you know, last week we found out he wasn't going to play three games. Well, Memphis was the fourth game, right? So Memphis, he very well last night could have been back. But once you win over Philly and Phoenix, doesn't it just mean that, hey, and I know that, again, I know with the Miles turn of the back spasms and everything else, we'll see how everything looks on Tuesday, but it really did feel like a, hey, we can play, you know, I mean, we can play, uh, Memphis is playing nobody. We, we can easily play uh, some of our backups and some of the guys that are part-time starters, and we can go win this game, and that's exactly what they did. And I, listen, I said this, and I mean it, I, I just... You know, sometimes there are little runs that matter more than other. You you mentioned context, right? You we went when we were talking about the Lions and Niners, the first fourth down when it's twenty four to ten, the Dan Campbell decided I'm not going to kick the field goal. I'm not going to go up, and of course the field goal could have missed. I'm not going to go up three scores. Um, context mattered to you. That was your conversation. Uh, to me, there was there was a lot of context with last night that you had, you know, in this weekend, I should say, that this weekend we could have limped in here with this team being one game over 500, not knowing when the next time Tyrese Halliburton was going to play with Boston and New York coming up on the schedule, not in a back-to-back, but in a Tuesday, Thursday on the road. So, yes, I know it's just a weekend, a Thursday, Friday, Sunday. I know one of the games was Memphis. I get all of that, but a three this three-game stretch, boy, they flip things a little bit. They outworked their opponent, and to me, this little stretch, uh, I, I was expecting, quite frankly, KB, without Halliburton and then some of the injuries that they had on Sunday, I was expecting coming in here, this team being 24 and 23, 25 and 22, probably, uh, and that's not the case at all. Context matters, and the context this weekend is the Pacers played their ass off, and they got three big wins. They really well, did. And I think the play their ass off comment is exactly the way to describe Friday night. I, I just thought they were obviously <laughs> nowhere near the talent level of Phoenix in that game. It's one of the greatest individual performances you'll ever see in what Devin Booker did to them. But they just outworked and out-hustled Phoenix for 48 minutes. And I know it sounds so cliche, and it sounds a bit just elementary to even say that, but just watch the final possession. Watch Obi Toppin's offensive foot put back, to which was the eventual uh, uh, game winner there. It is simply just effort and, and hustle. And, you know, there was part of me where at the start of the season – one of the reasons why I was so bullish on the Pacers, you know, being over 45 wins and being a five or six seed was I thought their depth 
and I just frankly think they have a lot of basketball players that just get it. And when things get tough and it's a back-to-back and you know there's reasons to whatever, maybe half-ass it here, half-ass it there, I don't think the Pacers have a lot of guys that do that compared to most NBA teams, to be frank with you. And if you watch some of those plays that got Indiana back in that game on Friday night, it was those t- sorts of hustle plays. You know, the Aaron Neesmiths of the world, and, you know, Toppin was tremendous off the bench. Nemhard is a guy that brings it on both ends of the floor. Uh, that was absolutely vital because you had to do something uh, to offset, you know, Devin Booker with the most points ever uh, from an opponent here in Indianapolis. That that was one of the wins of the year. And, and it, it was oh, unfortunate was that we didn't have a show right after I know. It to really give it the <laughs> amount of attention that it deserved. But that was certainly it. And again, the, this month, Andy, I mean, 10 and 6. And even if they lose tomorrow night in Boston, which you do have the advantage of Boston. By the way, Boston only scored 96, I saw, on Saturday night with their normal starters in there. Uh, Boston will be on a back-to-back. They've got the Pelicans tonight. It, it The fact that you will have gone potentially 10-7 and seven or 11-6 and six in this month where Halliburton has missed the entire month. And think about it. You've played Milwaukee, what, two times this month? Boston another couple of times. You had the first West Coast trip of the year. Then you return for the West Coast trip, and you get Denver and Phoenix in that very week. You just played Philly as well. And if I think back to those games... Andy, I don't remember very many load management, if any, moments from those teams either. No. I mean, Philly was playing MB. Denver had its normal crew. Phoenix had the big three in both of those matchups. Yep. Giannis played in those Milwaukee games. But so, MB played against you and not Denver. Right. So it, it, you not only drew the short straw and maybe schedule of just, frankly, opponent, but also the availability for many of those teams. Just a great, great month. Great month and needed, I, I think, as well. When you uh, you know had some squandered opportunities back in November, two things on the Friday night, and I should have went and pulled this sound. Uh, the very last possession, or when Obi Toppin gets the putback. How many offensive rebounds were? Well, there? Uh, Quinn the three. Quinn Buckner is fan. He was fantastic in that call. KB. He was go. Ah, ah. <laughs> he was just making the noise. But it's the noise that everyone. If you were in the stadium, or you were, or if you were at home, what? Because Siakam had the play right at the rim, right? And then you had the tip out, and then yeah. the ball leaked out to Obi Toppin. Ah, body language, ah, yeah. Ah, yeah, and Quinn Bugner was doing that. And then for me, yeah, it had to be one of the top, what, two, three, four nights in Gamebridge this season already. Probably top two or three. Um, there was, uh, on the on the Obi putback, I don't know why, it's just things you remember. On the Obi putback, there were two guys, two buddies, okay? Like if all of us were at a game here sitting next to each other. There were two buddies sitting next to each other that had the uh, the tall boys. What are they? The twenty four ounce Modellos? Are they sixteen or are they twenty four that they sell at the stadium? Boy, Doesn't if matter. You're getting a twenty four. You need to let me know where that where that concourse is because <laughs> that's a okay. perfect beer for the fourth well, quarter. I mean, you're exactly right. Yeah, because eventually they stopped selling. But they had the sixteen ounce Modellos, and both of them are losing their minds, holding their beers in the air on the Ob Top and put back. And I and I thought those are some dudes having a damn good Friday night. On and I even tweeted it Saturday. I still, I still don't. I still, I sit here today on Monday, not totally sure how the Pacers got that win uh, over Phoenix, oh. an unlikely win with what they did not have. And like you said, I mean the Suns are they're playing everybody. Beal's in, Bradley's in, and Booker scoring sixty points. And I'm very confused a week from Thursday. What's going to happen? Like Obi Toppin and Buddy Heald, the two most popular names we've talked about in regards to the trade deadline, considering 
both of them are in contract years. Andy, they're almost going in two different directions. Like, Buddy's been incredibly quiet here as of late. And maybe it's just, you know, whatever, a little seven-day shooting slump-ish, if you want to call it that. Um, but when you've really needed him, he hasn't been there. And then all of a sudden, Toppin, what, a week ago, uh, Jairus Walker got in the game right. prior to him. And now <laughs> yeah. it's... You know, Jairus yeah, Walker's we, not... We haven't seen Jairus Walker. Right. He's been the Mad Ants. He's not right. playing, and Toppin's given you really, really important minutes. So so what's that doing for you, then? Yeah, I, Is I, it showing you? You want a clarity, I'm very right? confused, are you to be getting, honest Are you, you getting clarity? I, no, no, not at all. <laughs> because you thought it was the other way. You thought it would be Buddy making a bunch of threes, and OB, you know, you know, you know, OB would be the guy who would be well, the odd the man thought, out, and right now, OB Toppin's not the odd man out. Yeah, the thought was you had a log jam at the four, and I get it yesterday, for example, without Turner, Jalen Smith was sure. asked to start... At the five, but yeah, it, it, I, I thought Obi would kind of be the odd man out at the four, and then I think the thinking was too with Pascal Siakam here and him kind of you know okay isolated, throw the ball into him, you know Buddy would benefit from that from a shooting standpoint. So certainly some trade deadline chatter we can get into uh, today. Um, going back to yesterday and these two games for me, um, I guess let's start with the AFC game. We we can focus on Campbell here and the Lies in just a second. Uh, how big of a goat, lowercase, was Zay Flowers in your mind? Uh, I mean, the penalty was incredibly stupid. I mean, the fu- the the fumble's bad. The penalty's stupid. I, I, I thought he could have got I, whistled like three different yeah, times for unsportsmanlike. Really, you, you know, he, here's here's the thing. I like Zay Flowers a good deal. I watch probably too much Boston College football. It's what happens when you're betting on ACC noon games. You're watching a bunch of Boston College. Awful. Uh, they're going to lose Odell Beckham. By the way, did you see all the people get got by the fake Odell Beckham dad tweet? Did you see that? Oh, no. I did not. <laughs> Someone with the fake Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham Sr. Twitter account went on and said how uh, his son didn't get the opportunity and how uh, Lamar Jackson's a bum in the playoffs and a bunch of news people ran with it. It wasn't It wasn't true. I don't know. I guess I'm – here's the thing. I'm not in love with their – everyone's like, ah, oh, the wide receiving core this year. I think Zay Flowers is pretty good. I, that's all. I, I mean, Odell Beckham is completely washed up. Mark Andrews just had a couple catches. Isaiah Lively, who I like a good deal at tight end, his over-under was like 31 and a half. He didn't get close to hitting that. And then Well, the, the one Ravens time he re- acted like he was open, it was triple yeah, coverage. He's yeah. screaming for the ball, and Lamar's like, oh, are you open? Okay, I'll throw there's it, and five it's triple guys, Yeah, there's five guys there. And you mentioned the turnovers. I don't know. I just six times the running backs got, got, got a rush attempt yesterday. That's not how they win. Just overall, I would say, not even a Lamar thing, the way the Ravens play, I thought offensively they choked as just just as the entire game went. And you know, someone's making a good point this morning, and they're right. Listen, Kansas City deserves all the credit in the world. Kansas City, you want to know their possessions in the second half on offense? Three and out punt, eight and out punt, punt after a three and out possession four, punt, possession five, punt. Punt. Possession six. They have the big pass to, to Scantling that ends up winning the game. They don't score there. Yeah, they Baltimore run out the clock. They didn't do, they did, chance, yeah, they yeah. didn't do anything. Baltimore had nine million chances. There's games where you can feel bad for a team. I don't feel bad for Baltimore. And the overall riding thing here is that I don't know what it is. These things manifest themselves. You know, come on, you guys watch football. That there is totally, you know, now two and four in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens do not play their best football in the postseason. 
and how you figure that out as a team and organization and coaching staff, I don't know. You have an MVP quarterback. You have uh, you know, a great defense. You love your new offensive coordinator. John Harbaugh is one of the top two, three, four, five coaches in the entire NFL. But more than not, you've got to the postseason. And the Ravens remind me in some ways a little bit of the Dallas Cowboys. How it kind of manifests itself that when the Cowboys get to the postseason, we wait for the other shoe to drop. That's a little bit on how I feel about the Baltimore Ravens. It really yeah. is. And honestly, I thought Baltimore just kind of wilted in the moment. And by that, I mean this. They've got the home game. They've got all their big bad Ravens back in the building of Suggs and Ed Reed and Ray Lewis, et cetera, et cetera. And it gets chippy pregame. We, you know, obviously Kelsey has got issues with Justin Tucker warming up where oh, that Holmes was great. warms up and then the special oh, yeah. teamers start getting into it. And this is a, you know, it kind of had a little bit of a college football rivalry pregame feel to it. When one team stomps on the logo, the uh, what does Notre Dame have? Do they just have the N and D at yeah, midfield well, I, I, when you stomp on the logo? For some reason, I'm picturing Florida, Florida State, <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, Florida hasn't shown up in, 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 say about in five years. football for a couple of years. But anyways, um, it, it had that feel of like, we are the big bad Ravens, and watch us. And then they played with such a big bad like immaturity to it all. They had eight penalties for 95 yards. Right. Just so many dumb penalties throughout that game and Kansas City who I think at times in the Mahomes era and maybe rightfully so they've been labeled as more of the finesse team and can they handle kind of a ground and pound you know it's going to be fought in the trenches etc etc and I thought Kansas City just whipped them they whipped them at the line of scrimmage I thought they sent a message from the opening uh, start of that game hey we're going to defer we don't want in Mahomes' hands to start we'll put our defense out there what do they do they force a three and out, and that first Kansas City trip down the field, Kelsey's been kind of quiet. Then all of a sudden, again, he's the one chirping pregame a little mm-hmm. bit. He converts the big fourth down, and then the touchdown. And I thought that just completely—he's yeah, great. He was completely great. set the tone from there. And, and Flowers, I get that he's a rookie, and he's had some very big moments for Baltimore this season, but just such a boneheaded penalty after that. And as I said earlier. Ladarius Sneed, the fact that he's the one that you know was taunted against on that play, he comes back and what a huge punch out there for that ball on the goal line. Uh, just a tremendous turn of events there, and it just seems like Kansas City always makes the play. Death taxes in Kansas City, like third and nine. I'm sitting there watching it, thinking. Why do I feel like there's a 90% chance that Chiefs are going to convert this? <laughs> that they're going to get it. Does it make you sick? Because this is the other thing. Is- it does make me sick because it's jealousy. It's oh, not of like, course it's jealousy. I, like, yeah, I, think, of course. I think watching the Patriots seal those games in very similar fashion, it was hatred and venom, at sure. least in this market. I think when you watch the Chiefs, like I don't why should I hate Mahomes? What has Patrick Mahomes ever done to like <laughs> me should hate him? I, I, I mean, I'm with you, but last Monday you walked in and you said, I'm tired of the Chiefs. Right. I and, know, and now, now I'm you're tired bending because the knee. I'm jealous. I know. Well, listen, like, are we it's all? It's not like, okay, Mahomes has got a funny right. you don't voice. Have the, and you don't have the Brady venom, which is totally understandable. He's in a lot of commercials and yeah. he seems like he's like really good at golf. Like, I'm just jealous of the dude. Like, I'm just jealous of, in that moment, they don't throw to Kelsey. Right. You know, they don't even go to Rashid Rice. Well, Scanley, like well, Scanley's been terrible. He's been dropping passes all season. And yeah, like he's Baltimore, been a dog. You know, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there's some interior pressure. Oh, boy, Mahomes is chucking it down the field. There's no way this is complete. Boom. Game over. 
Rokon Swith, uh, uh, Smith had the big penalty down the stretch. Oh no! And then you got the they had you got twelve the, you, men you got the on the field exiting the timeout. <laughs> So they cut it to what? Seven, right? After the field goal, Tucker makes the field goal. Yeah, 17 10. So all of a sudden, here they are. They get one stop and they could have a chance with the ball. There's 12 men on the field exiting time. Again, this gets back to I, I just thought Baltimore, they just I, couldn't handle the they, moment. That, they, that's they what I'm were, saying. They, they, all this bark and, and just not like enough, okay, discipline bite, if you will, of like, all right, now it's 60 minutes of football. Let's keep our emotions in check. Sure, play with emotion, but keep those in check. And I didn't think they did that at all. You got the smooch after the game. Did you like that? The Kelsey Swift smooch. That'd be a big storyline, I'm like sure. That? <laughs> like I was hoping for an Andy Reid smooch with after the game. Taylor. Well, here's now the, she's going to be at the game. The, uh, what do you? Okay, so have we all done Dar- the flights to Darren, Japan? And Darren Ravel did this, and Mark, can you look that up? I know we're running late here, but Darren Ravel, no, the night before Darren Taylor Ravel's Swift a nerd. has a concert. Yeah, he is has him. a concert in Japan, and uh, apparently she can leave her concert in Japan right after and get in at about four or five o'clock. To get ready for the for the Super Bowl show, so we shall see. And I'm and I'm listen. I mean this because I think the Ravens are chokers once they get into the postseason. That you know, you look at for the last five years, the only team to beat them and to kind of upset the apple cart, if you will, the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. Right now, and Burrow's injured, man. Listen, Joe Burrow gets injured. Okay, Joe Burrow. I feel like is the only one that can that can handle the Kansas City stuff. Right now, the Ravens can't. The Bills can't. Um, I don't think the Texans are there. And that's going to be, if you're Shane Steichen and company, that's what that's the objective is, to be able to get into a fourth quarter with the Colts and not wilt. And like so many of these teams have wilted. Only Joe, Joe Burrow's been able to stand tall. He's the only one in the AFC. It is pretty wild that like the... Despite how dominant, like how loaded the AFC is, we're always like, oh, the AFC is so dominant. Yeah, it's, it's always like the, the same four teams, like the last 11 or 12 Super Bowls. It's like the Broncos, the Patriots, the Bucks, or no, the the, the Chiefs and the. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's about Bengals. it. That's it. No, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's it. The Dan Campbell issues for me, Ugh. there's one that's not being talked about enough. We'll touch on that on the other side. Pat Forty joins us at nine o'clock. He was in Terre Haute for Indiana State's big win. On Saturday, we'll talk a variety of college sports with him coming up at 9. All right, 8 o'clock hour, hanging out with you. DriveHuber.com studios, KB and Andy. It is the wake-up call. Reminder, Pat Forty going to join us coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. He was hanging out with little Indiana State basketball over the weekend. We'll give uh, his, he'll give, uh, give us, I should say, his thoughts on that. All the national college basketball, maybe a little Jimmy Harbaugh going to the NFL uh, and everything else. Our Goats of the Week coming up at 8.30. I got to be honest with you guys. I don't know who to make the Goat. How, how do we not make that a repetitive segment with all the Dan Campbell, Lamar Jackson conversation. I'm going to have to go like Andrew Nemhart or something like that on things that happened. Uh, I know I can go outside the NFL, I think I've but got an easy that in the Pacers. One. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. It's not NFL related. Is it Notre Dame basketball related? That was, that was a tough one. How did Notre Dame do this yeah, weekend? Boston I assume College, they lost. Boston College clipped us. Yeah, missed Oof. the three at the buzzer to force an overtime. Oh, man. That's a rough one. Yeah, I don't Plus, it's Boston it. College. <laughs> At Virginia this week, trying to go for the oh, season man. sweep. Already beat them once. You imagine I, I a season sweep that. over Tony Bennett? Virginia was up on Louisville 41-13 at halftime. I don't know why yeah. I saw that. By the way, I had someone message me, diehard Kentucky fan wanting to fire Calipari. Is that a thing? Oh, God. Yeah, they've been wanting to fire Calipari for about three or four years. Like, do they, I, I say, is that a thing? And, like, would Kentucky do that? No, they would never do that. No, they have a full... 
lifetime contract uh, that is fully guaranteed from John Calipari. So they could get rid of John Calipari. They'll just have to pay a bunch of money to do so. They've had, boy, they they look like they were heading towards another ugly loss against Arkansas. Man, Arkansas, what happened to Arkansas? Back-to-back Elite Eights from Musselman popping the shirt off during the NCAA tournament and everything else. They stink. They've had a couple players drop off. Davis, one of their top players, like a senior, like maybe even a fifth-year senior. I I can't remember. But a kid who's way up in their 20s, he left the team right before the game. That news came out. So I know it's kind of an odd thing to bring up in Indianapolis. But, boy, Arkansas basketball, a couple of lead eights here. uh, They were supposed to have a good team. They stink. They absolutely stink. After the game, uh, just scrolling through the old timeline, everybody, you know, fourth down, Dan Campbell, fourth down, Dan Campbell, et cetera, et cetera. My bigger issue, if you really want to boil it down to, let's talk Dan Campbell coaching issues from yesterday. Uh, Andy, I have no idea why they called a run on third and goal there with a minute to go in the game. Because to me, that kind of defies everything Campbell, analytics, blah, blah, blah. Uh, basically what you said in that moment is if we get stopped here, which I I, I, I don't know what the run success is from, that was a long yard. I, mean, I don't know. It's probably right around a coin flip, maybe a hair higher. If you get stopped, the game is all but over. Nobody gets onside kicks in today's NFL. Nobody. Uh, two of whatever, 45, whatever Kevin Burkhart said after that. Basically at that point, you had said, unless we score here, the this game is over. And you totally took your nice time management three timeout situation and made that no longer an advantage for you. Um, I, I did not understand that at all. That's a Dan Campbell moment where you get on the headset to Ben Johnson, and this gets back to kind of the Shane Steichen comments from fourth and one uh, against Houston to end the season. Andy, the play caller can want one thing, but the head coach has got to be the ultimate voice that has all the context with him in that moment. And Ben Johnson, in the back of his mind, could be thinking, hey, man, we're going to catch him off guard. We're going to run this ball. This is going to be great. They're not going to expect it. David Montgomery, right at the gut, touchdown. And boy, we're going to have a chance here at the end. Whereas Dan Campbell, as the head coach and the CEO, a guy that's not responsible for offensive or defensive play calling, he's got to sit there and say, no, Ben, we can't be doing that. Because if we get stuffed, the game is all but over here. We need to throw it. And if it's incomplete... That's fine. We still have fourth down, which they ended up having fourth down, and they scored on the fourth and goal there. But then you still have your three timeouts. So then you're down, I guess it would have been what? You were down three with about 55 seconds to go, 55 to a minute. You've got three timeouts. If you wanted to in that situation, you could have kicked that deep and play the let's try and stop you. With three straight runs, oh, you, you would seemingly. have you would have kicked it deep by San Francisco. That's exactly what you would have done. No time comes off the clock. You would have booted it into the end zone. And now, if you do get a three and out, so you, you play the f- to go, you play the field position at least a little bit. Forty seconds to go, and you need to go 20, 30 yards yeah. to get into field goal range. As debatable as the two fourth down attempts have been, I was shocked at scoring through the Twitter timeline after the game was over. And no one was mentioning that. To me, that goes against everything Campbell is about. And that was the obvious one. I think you could have a little bit of debate on the fourth down passing up of the field goal attempts. That, to me, was egregious. And totally took away the, this is why we save timeout sort of feel to it. Um, Lo and behold, you had onside kick. Obviously, it didn't go. Just like all of the other onside kicks don't go uh, for the kicking team. 
and the game's over. I'm trying to remember. Do you remember which game it was for the Colts this season? Somebody help me out here. Do you remember which game it was where we stressed that with Steichen, where the timeouts mattered more uh, than just anything? Because that, I, and I'm just, I just, for some reason, I'm just completely blanking on which game. I remember walking in here. Don't you remember we walked in here and talked about the usage of timeouts to one of these Colts games? Because that's what we ran into. I mean, that's what you ran into last night. Was and even early, you know, even even that Jacksonville game earlier in the season where Steichen had the, am I going to kick a field goal or am I going to score a touchdown because I'm this close? I, I just, I just thought it was malpractice, and that I, I mean, there's really no other way to say it. It was malpractice well, it, towards it, the end of the game, KB. You can't, it's just not you worth can't the give, risk. You can't give up the time out there. It, it, Everything's it, about having the three timeouts. The reward is not great enough to take that risk in that situation. And I guess if you want to go back to Steichen, and again, this did not happen many times this season, so I don't want to act like this was a huge Steichen flaw, but the other big sort of, the play caller birdies on your left shoulder, the head coach birdies on your right shoulder, I think back to the Cleveland game, when he dialed up the double move in the end zone, and Miles Garrett has a strip sack. Again, as a play caller, Andy, you could sit there and be like, hey, boy, uh, we've been, you know, kind of showing our hand with this, and we feel like we could hit this opportunity right here. And boy, I feel really good about it. You know, Gardner's pump fake has got, and I'm just throwing out names here, but Gardner's pump fake has gotten Denzel Ward to bite a few times early in the game. We're going to get him to bite here. We're going to hit Pittman over the top for 40 yards. And again, as the play caller, I think you kind of sometimes fall in love with this stuff and you don't and, and you're so narrow focused on the play calling, you don't think kind of big picture there of oh bleep, are we in our own end zone? Do they have Miles Garrett? Like that can get a little bit lost and I felt like in that moment that's where Dan Campbell has got to say to Ben Johnson, "Ben, I know that we've ran it decently well today. Montgomery and Gibbs both had I thought very positive moments throughout that game, but we cannot afford the risk of burning a timeout because if we burn a timeout, the game is theoretically over. And that to me is the more egregious of all the fourth down debates, et cetera, et cetera. The end of the game, oh, it was terrible. Were you still had a chance. I thought that was Campbell's biggest error. KB it was terrible to to waste that to waste that time out there. Uh, if you run the field goal unit on, let's say the clock is moving on that third down and you do exactly what you did and you run the ball on third down, which was stupid, and you've mentioned how it was stupid. If you run your field goal unit or hurry up and get uh, and, and get a playoff there and let's say you do the exact same play to Jamison Williams, I just you're wasting yes ten seconds there, but you're keeping that timeout. I am all about and to the bitter end, giving yourself as many options as possible. And the last option that you want ever as a football team is an onside kick because you're just not getting the onside kick. You're it's going to have to go ten yards, and you're not going to touch it within ten yards, and they're going to have to botch it after ten yards, and then it's going to be a scrum where there's seven guys, you know. Uh, clawing at each other's eyes to get a football. All of that is going to have to happen, and it's just not going to be the case. One other thing I wanted to throw your way on this. Um, that for Okay, so again, if you watch a game, it's 24-10 Detroit, and uh, Detroit has the ball, and they go for it on fourth and short instead of kicking what would have been about a 45-yard field goal. 
and it needs to be mentioned that before the first half ended, they did kick a field goal, right? right? right, right I right. mean, so it's not like every time no. they get into fourth and three, or fourth and two, that you know it was it was one of those things with where a fourteen point lead. With a fourteen point lead, Dan Campbell said, "I am going to take this seventeen point lead. It's a three possession game, and you know we probably didn't want to do that, but he did it." But let me go back to something. And by the way, just to add one more thing on that, sure. that was a fourth and three. This is a fourth and two. So it's not like one was a fourth and seven, the other was a fourth and two. Exactly. Fourth We're talking three. about fourth and short Very yardage similar. situation. Where it made me think, and at that at this point, I didn't know. I wrote this down because I didn't know that, A, there was going to be the Detroit Lions losing their minds the entire second half. Fumbles, they misplayed that punt, and I didn't know as well, this would be B, I didn't know KB that they would have another fourth down, that second fourth down where they didn't kick it, where they decided to go for it, okay? So in real time, when I see this, at about seven minutes to go in the third quarter, I wrote down, if Shane Steichen had the exact same situation happen to him in a game, in a big playoff game, the Colts are in the playoffs next year, whatever it may be, what would we think? And it reminded me of the Colts at the end of that Houston game. Now, they had to go for it. They're down four against Houston. We remember, okay? So they couldn't line up and kick a field goal. It's not It's not apples to apples. But what happened in that Steichen play call, okay? He dialed up the right play call. They didn't execute it. My only rebuttal about the first time that the Lions went for it on fourth down there in the midway part of the third quarter, and then things fell apart right after that. They all fell apart was Craig Reynolds dropped the pass. Well, it, They had a play call. See, that, that's Craig where, Reynolds dropped the pass. That's where I would disagree because if you want to go back to Steichen and call it the right play call, you're asking two of your backups to deliver in the biggest moment of the season. Yeah, but, so you bring risk and you bring pressure. And in that moment, he's asking and – if you just strictly want to look at the numbers, Jared Goff's completion percentage is what on the day? 60-something? Uh, yeah, I would and have to Michael look. Michael Badgley and, from 45 yeah. yards is 70-something. Yeah. So uh, if you want to go strictly like numbers, um, isn't the kick in that situation Well, let me give, Let me give you another make? number. Craig Reynolds only had drops. He didn't have a catch. No, I, I, to be fair, it, it was Josh Reynolds, <laughs> oh, right? Josh Reynolds. Sorry, yeah. not Craig Reynolds. Yeah. Poor Josh Reynolds. Don't want Craig's family yeah. listening and catching oh, he had one, you know, He had one catch. I apologize. I mean, he's known for... I guess my, my only point was, in their mind, they may feel like some Colts fans did that... Well, I mean, remember, that was a discussion after the game. Well, I mean, I'm just, I can call it up. I mean, he... Now, we all think, why are you putting that player in that position? Players. Uh, yeah, plural, players. Plural. And Josh Reynolds is a guy who is going to have way less catches than Laporta, even Jamison Williams, St. Brown, obviously, I, perhaps I just, even Gibbs. Like, you would go Montgomery. You'd go four or five different places there before you would go to Josh Reynolds. Uh, and it just wasn't talked about much on the broadcast of, hey, he's got to catch that football. I we think context talk much matters about that. so much with all of these sort of discussions. Like, to me, I just can't get behind of, you're aggressive, so you're always aggressive. The, that is such, I, I I think, losing out on so much context um, and the week-to-week nature of what the NFL is. San Francisco has, what, three Hall of Famers on their offense? Maybe four if you want to you know, look at their O-line as well. And Trent Williams? Like, there are a lot of teams right. you play throughout the season <laughs> that don't have that. And we all know the Kyle Shanahan stat. You know, what are they? When they're down 10-plus in the fourth quarter, they're... They're 1-48 or whatever exactly. it was. Yeah, it was a and silly if stat. if you are able to convert the field goal there, 
midway through the third quarter and you go up 17 points, you pretty much now have brought that stat into play. And more than anything, you've told Kyle Shanahan, you're down three scores. Every possession right now, you got to score. You have right. to score. And if we get one more score, or if we get one more turnover, the game is probably over. And a touchdown there would have still been three possessions. So I didn't consider the risk there. That 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 to me, Andy, that wasn't like a hey. If you kick the field goal, you go up twenty versus you get a touchdown, you're up twenty four. And now all of a sudden, you're saying to them, right? Hey, you need three touchdowns, or you're up thirteen three, or something like three that. Three two point yeah. versions, yeah. Right. You would still have been at the three possession mark there. And again, I think more than anything, what you say to the 49ers in that moment is if you kick that field goal and make it, you're now having them to abandon the game plan they've prepped for all week long. And you're putting their offensive line in obvious passing situations. You're allowing your D-line to kind of pin your ears back a little bit. And now all of the game pressure's on them. Again, one punt, one turnover, one big penalty, and the game, in all likelihood, is over at that moment. So... That's where I think the context of it all matters. It's midway through the third quarter. And for those out there that say, no, 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 Dan Campbell's been aggressive all year long. He should continue to do that. You go down swinging. Well, then why didn't you go for it at the end of the first half? Right. Fourth and three uh, versus let, fourth and two. I, I'm stunned he didn't. I'm because stunned that he didn't. For those that There's first, nuance no, no, with no. all these decisions. Yeah, there is so much just context you, you, around all You can be the I'm going for it on fourth down guy um, and, and also have nuance to the conversation. Two things we haven't talked about. We can go to a couple phone calls, two, three, nine, ten, seventy as well. The well, Actually, there's three things. Number one, the lines totally got away with, with, uh, with uh, or was that the, who got away with the, oh yeah, the lines totally got away um, with with that late hit on uh in the fourth quarter, there was a late hit yeah, on, uh, to the on helmet Purdy. on Purdy. Uh-huh. Uh, they totally got away with that. That's number one. And number two, are you? And we haven't mentioned this, Brock Purdy. That conversation the next two weeks is going to be how high on everyone's conversation piece. You're talking about a seventh round pick. Uh, you're talking about, you know, Iowa State quarterback. Uh, you're talking about a guy who doesn't quite sling it like everybody else, like some other guys in the NFL, uh, you know, happen to sling it. I don't know. Do you have a hot take I, one way? I'm kind of agnostic when it comes to Purdy. I don't hate him. I don't love him. I think he's a fine player. That's what I think he is. I don't think my brain's ready for anything Purdy related too extensively today, so I apologize on that end. But, but you react- know what's coming, right? In reacting to yesterday, though, that dude made some big plays with his legs. He made some big plays at some very important moments with his legs. Um, boy, several kind of those like third and three, third and four scrambles. And that is a huge, huge deal because, again, in Samuel and Kittle and Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey, you want to commit as many guys in coverage as possible if you're Detroit. You don't want to have to sit there for one second and think, boy, we got a spy in this situation. And again, Derek Barnes, a Purdue guy, gets banged up early in the game. So, you know, does that impact at all? And all of a sudden, Purdy, with some big-time moments there of making plays with his legs here. Uh, The early line on the Super Bowl, it opened up. San Francisco minus two. That would be San Francisco favored by two. And over under a 47 and a half, and you said that's already starting to come down to a pick'em. Yeah, I'm seeing it down. Uh, it's going to be a pick'em. Yeah, it's going to be a one point spread somewhere. Some big money coming down early on. I have no idea where I'd go with this game. I, I mean, why would I mean? You said last night, why would I go against Mahomes? Okay, why would I go against Mahomes? 
I mean, if you ask me which team plays within themselves, which team makes the, the you know the big defensive play that they need to make, which team is going to make the throw that's going to win the Super Bowl, don't you kind of look down and you check all of that off with the Kansas City Chiefs? They've been there before. I They've just, won the Super Bowl. They had the Super Bowl winning head coach. Yeah, I mean, come on. That's what you would pick, right? And you think back to a few years ago, these two teams in the Super Bowl, San Francisco with the 10-point lead. Leading into that, what that was like early in the I know. fourth quarter that they had. I know that lead. Jack just shot me a message and said, "What did Jack say?" Momentum was killed too with that play. I know there's a lot of like sport debate out there, like is momentum real, this or that. <laughs> I tend to think that it's realer than people want to acknowledge. I think when that failed fourth down happens, what it then does, Andy is it continues to keep major game pressure and stress alive for the Lions. Like, really, really alive. And now all of a sudden, you know, Jared Goff and Jameer Gibbs, whatever. The crowd's a little louder. Did they not hear the full play call in the huddle? They run into each other. And that starts a fumble. And, you know, you've got a dude running down on a punt thinking, oh my gosh, here's my moment to make the greatest play I'm, I'm going to make in my <laughs> yeah. NFL career. He steps in the and end I zone. And I lose track of where I'm at yeah. on the field, and boom. Uh, who's the safety that, or was a safety or corner that had the interception that you know bounced off his hands and went to Ayuk? Like, those plays, guys start to think a little bit more. It's less kind of just playing and a little bit more thinking in those moments. There was another one um, early on a, I think it was a first down. It was one of San Francisco's first plays of a possession. They had two dudes that had Purdy just wrapped up in the backfield for a sack. Purdy escapes, and boom. There's another play that just kind of snowballed in the opposite direction there, so... Um, am I the yeah. am I the raw, am I the meathead here? I totally believe that momentum is a real thing in sports. No, I think it is. I would say meatheads would not believe that, right? <laughs> okay. Well, I was I was wondering because I know stereotype meatheads. Well, I mean, but. I know I know there's the I I don't want to call even the numbers conversation. And I listen. I I I I'm, I don't want to say I'm a beholder, but I believe in the numbers and they can sway any conversation. You know, whether it be NBA, what we've seen with the Pacers or the Colts or the games we saw last night in the NFL. But momentum does matter within a game. I mean, look look at the second half of that game. There were a few decisions. I mean, that's why, and by the way, Dan Campbell believes it. We played this out of the 7 o'clock hour. Dan Campbell wanted to flip momentum. That's why he went for it on fourth down because he saw his team was giving in Which a little bit. Which he was talking about the second field goal Yeah, yeah and the Niners the had a little bit. Attempt, you just, to me, you just want to keep it at that point. And stretch the lead to 17. Because if you get it to 17, now San Francisco's got to abandon it. They can't commit to Christian McCaffrey as much as they would like, at least as a running back. And now you're putting a lot more on Brock Purdy's plate. And again, the Kyle Shanahan stat is what it is. Have you guys seen this uh, image of um, Little Lion King of Christian McCaffrey? <laughs> no, I Dressed haven't seen that. there with the baby lion. And no, who's that? hoisting it's a christian mccaffrey cartoon character ed carpenter shout out to ed cannot wait to talk to him in the month of may i uh, sent this to me uh, so you know instead of holding up simba on pride rock here <laughs> christian mccaffrey cartoon character throws simba <laughs> off of pride rock i think peter would get involved with that decision that i was about to say harsh. yeah peter's gonna be contacting you guys yeah get ready for that Oh man, yeah, what, what a, a great weekend of college of uh, of uh, of NFL what a though. Tough morning for Lions fans. I I know you don't I care know. about them anymore. No, but... no, I'm done with them. Yeah, I did see they 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 did focus on the woman crying in the stands. Yeah, she was. That weeping. made me happy. She was weeping. Yeah, thirty year old woman. It made Boy, she's me happy. Yeah, that it did. It did. Oh, she's thirty five year old woman. Oh, she's she's really been through it. Hope, hope she's okay. 
Hold those uh, those seventeen year old kids that are crying in attendance. You don't, hold that Buffalo Bills fan that was weeping. You who's twenty five years old. I got I got a grandparent who died who's ninety three, and all he saw was losses in the Super Bowl. But the seventeen year old guy, the pimple faced kid, hope he's okay. You know, so get over it. Giants fan. Oh, over to, here. no, to hell with it. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of these. Listen, people like that are some, why we have there's jobs. Some, there's some yeah. Indiana. <laughs> there's some Indiana fans like you know what? To hell with you crying. I want to be the one that's crying. We haven't won a national championship since when? Purdue fans are feeling the exact. Gene Katie's feeling the exact same thing. I gotta feel bad for the Detroit Lions. Ugh. You guys, please. And now we're gonna celebrate the Chiefs. Yeah. Well, I'm not, but I mean, yeah, we're going to be forced to. Pat Forty joins us in a half hour. He was in Terre Haute <laughs> on Saturday. Indiana State winning in overtime over Bradley. We'll talk a variety of things with him. Obviously, a big college basketball weekend. Uh, but before that, how about the Pacers? Three in a row for them. Let's lead off a morning check down with some Pacers chatter. Did look like a fun game though, uh, Lions and Niners. Did, I mean, that crowd looked fantastic. All the red and the blue. Then obviously, uh, I did see some Lions fans giving a standing ovation to their team. Uh, heartbreaking, nonetheless. We'll see if they can get back there next year. They may only lose Ben Johnson. Aaron Glenn uh, may be back there at DC. All right, one sixteen, one ten. That's your final last night in GameBridge. Pacers over the Grizzlies. A physical game. Here's Rick Carlisle post game. Very, 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 very tough game. Obviously. Very physical. When Kennard was unable to play and they put Roddy in the lineup, it just was sending a message that this is going to be a physical battle. And they're they're physical anyway, but but you know, him in the starting lineup was a further message of that and as much as you try to prepare your group for how physical it's gonna be, it it's words don't do don't do justice to it. Yeah, Matherin was huge. Uh, he had nineteen of the first thirty seven, twenty four for the game, but also we got to mention Friday night, uh, one of the games of the year. Uh, just tremendous effort by the Pacers in, in kind of outlasting the big stars of Phoenix there. Devin Booker had 62. That is the most ever for an opponent here uh, against the Pacers in Indianapolis. But how about Obi Toppin? He had the offensive rebound put back there with three seconds to go, 23-11 and 11 in 33 minutes off the bench. Pascal Siakam had 31. Nemhard 22-8. and eight. Again, one of the games of the year for the Pacers. Uh, so right now, that is three straight wins. That's 27-20. and 20. They have been very good this month with a brutal, brutal schedule. They'll close it out tomorrow in Boston. We should note, the Celtics do play tonight against the Pelicans. So they'll be on a back-to-back. The Pacers will not. Tyrese Halliburton is going to practice today. Let's see if Rick Carlisle's got another update for us tomorrow morning. Doesn't he have to play Tuesday? If he doesn't play Tuesday, we get a little worried at least. I- I don't know how to deal with this. If he doesn't play Tuesday, there'd be five games kind of here that we kind of thought he well, might he play five in. five straight and nine yeah. and ten, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hamstrings again. I know. They can be finicky, tricky, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that one. Again, uh, Boston at 730 on 7:30 Tuesday. 7.30 tips all week long, right? You good with that? I'm good with that. Uh, Purdue over Rutgers, 68-60. That's yesterday. Uh, Zach Eady now 1,000 rebounds, over 2,000 points. He's pretty good at basketball. 26-12, and 12, got the win there. Braden Smith, especially in the first half, I thought kind of got off the, the schneid. He had been, what, two or three games not shooting the basketball well. He shot the basketball well. And then, you know, we've had the conversation uh, about Lance Jones. A terrible shooting day for Lance Jones. One of 10, didn't make a three. Uh, but that's fun. 
had eight assists and 10 rebounds to go along with it. Uh, Purdue winners 68-60. Up next for the Boilermakers, what's that uh, Wednesday night? Rematch. Against Northwestern. By the way, Northwestern beat Ohio State by like 30 this weekend. Are they like definitely in the tournament? I guess in the Big Ten. Right? I would think yeah. so. I mean, that's, There's not many of course, Ohio that... State, that's what Indiana's best win. That went from a quad one win, and boy, in the next week or two, that could, that could be a quad three win for Indiana. Speaking of Indiana, one of the better performances of the season, but you just aren't in a boat to celebrate moral victories given their resume. Uh, they cannot close it out in Champaign. Xavier Johnson misses two, for, who was very good, really, for long stretches of that game. Uh, he missed two free throws, about 50 seconds to go. Would have tied it, and then Illinois made all the plays to close out that one. 70-62, no Khalil Ware in that one. Sounds like we'll try to give it a go uh, here in practice uh, leading into tomorrow night against Iowa. And Andy, uh, for the first time since 2010, Indiana University's men's basketball team does not make a three-pointer in a game. On top of that, they also were 12 of 22 from the foul line. Like, I, I, I am beyond stunned at those statistics from the state of Indiana and the Indiana University men's basketball program that they cannot hit a three-pointer in a single game. Here's the biggest problem I have. Uh, it, it's They don't make a three, and even if they would have made one or two, of course, the game could have been different, so I don't want to, you know, it's difficult to say, well, you make two threes, how is the game different? They don't make a three and they're 0 for 9. And first of all, they only shot nine of them. That's also one of the the crazy stats. They don't make one. I'm not surprised they don't make one. That's where I am with this Indiana basketball team. They can't can't shoot. It's ridiculous. Maybe it was Jason Benetti. Maybe it was Hummel. But like, I think the first three-point attempt was like 16 minutes into the game. And when they said that, I was just kind of like, well, that that checks out. That's pretty par, par for the course with Indiana. I, I, and actually went a little smaller in this game. You know? Well, yeah, though they had to. Yeah, Clearly aware. Well, that, Anthony you know, Walker starting playing thirty uh, one minutes. I mean, Anthony Leal's playing sixteen minutes what off the bench. The, the only uh, bench points you get are from him. What do you think of Xavier Johnson tech in the first half there? I don't know. I, it was it a little weak. Yeah, I'm a, I'll say it's a little weak. I, I mean, Xavier. I just, I just, there's, there's no I think feel he gets good around. No benefit of the no, doubt he doesn't. from officials. He probably doesn't. That's you know, you and he's earned that. You know, you get he's earned that against Purdue and Rutgers, and you just create a little bit of a reputation, right or wrong. I did think they had warned. I think it was more that they had warned hey. Renew a little bit earlier because Renew and Hawkins had kind of right. got into it at one point. I didn't know if that was the official saying, "Hey, this is our universal warning to everybody out there." Uh, but again, Xavier Johnson probably his best game of the season, but closing out the first half, the Tech. And then missing those two free throws late uh, were obviously it, critical plays. Last, th- last thing on this. My, Mike Woodson, after I know he doesn't want to do media, I know he doesn't like to do that, okay? But Mike Woodson's going to have to man up a little bit. And Mike Woodson, after the season, is going to have to come up with a plan on on, on shooting the basketball at a, at a higher clip. I, I don't know any other way around Imagine it. saying that. I, yeah, I know. It's, it's silly, but... You know, right now... Indiana State's the best three-point shooting team in the nation. Maybe drive up to Terre Haute. And <laughs> find out what they're doing. I, it's just to be How's this that drive, bad... Bloomington to Terre Haute? I can't imagine it's great. You want to Google that real quick? See how long that is? I, I just... I mean, to me... 52 minutes, my guess. To me, they got to... After the season, I got to hear a plan from Mike Woodson on how he is going to recruit guys that can shoot the basketball and play an offense 
that they can shoot the basketball. You can't trade three for twos. You can't miss all your free throws. You can't be a bad shooting team. And this is not just they've had a few bad games. I mean, KB, we come in here all the time and talk about, well, they shot two for 15 or, you know, they shot three for 17 or 0 of 9 or 1 of 10. I mean, we do this every single game with them, and it feels like we do it uh, with free throws as well. How long is it? Gosh, it's a lot longer than I thought. Hour and Hour and a half. Okay. Well, they need to get up there. They need they need to do something. Again, after the season, there needs to be a detailed plan and there needs to be a plan on in the portal, in the transfer portal, that they go get guys that are shooting over 40% from three-point range. They got the Liam kid coming in, right? Is, is that a shooter? That's a start. I mean that's a start. I'm not yeah, kidding. But, no, that's I mean, a guard, start, but it needs you yeah. need guards you need five yeah, issue. you need five guys. You need guards that can shoot the basketball and help control the game. It's just silly. It's teetering on a little bit too of like bad and boring. You know, when you just clank free throws and you can't throw it in the Well, there's no start. I mean, what are we going to do? Three. If they come in here and they lose their next game is is what Iowa? What are we going to do? Come in here on Wednesday and yell and scream about them losing to Iowa? Well, Again, Iowa makes a lot of threes. You make a lot of twos. Do the math. Yeah, it, it's it kind of sums up your thought earlier. Um, one of the kids that I live next to, freshman year at IU, goes, as a season ticket holder, Andy's right. I'm done. It's sad. I'm going to the Iowa game, but I've sold the last three Big Ten games. Like, I feel like that sort of thought is pretty prevalent. If they have great, the if they have great crowds, I mean, these are winnable games. Iowa, Penn State, at Ohio State, they already won that game. All these are winnable games. I mean, they could, on a normal time, I'd say Indiana, go win three, and then you go to Purdue and you hope, you know, something happens that magic happens, but they're not going to... I, I don't feel like they're... Purdue yeah, bench during the game? I, don't, I don't feel like they're going to win three in a row, and this is... Uh, it's a fan base that has moved past anger. Now it's just... I don't know if it's even frustration. It's apathy. I mean, if they have, if they have, and I assume they will, Penn State especially, Iowa and Penn State, if they have these big atmospheres where the you know, the students, the kids are going nuts and they're filling Assembly Hall, God bless those Indiana fans. I mean it. Yeah, I mean, no program has, what, three five stars for apathy on January 29th. Yeah. I mean, they're, 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 a, they're, and they're, a, they're such a bad watch, KB. They're such a bad watch. And that Illinois team, they're fine. Speaking of magic, Hinkle magic on Saturday. Butler wins in double OT, 88-81. I know you probably have some individual moments, I think, of being at the game where A.J. Graves hit the shot. Uh, you know, someone brought up the Rosie Jones floater against Gonzaga. Uh, that was one of those kind of classic Butler-Nova games we've gotten over the last handful of years at Hinkle. Awful start for the Bulldogs. Unbelievable finish. Jamil Telford with the dunk there to force it into overtime. And then they win in double OT, much, much needed for Butler in trying to pad that resume. They're still going to need a couple more of these sorts of games, and they'll have some opportunities here in the coming weeks at Creighton coming up on Friday night. And again, Indiana State, they win in overtime over Bradley. Bradley's one of those teams near the top of the Missouri Valley, so very important for Josh Schertz and the Sycamores to get that done. Pat Forty from uh, SI, who is at uh, the game in Terre Haute, he's going to join us here coming up at 9. We'll talk a lot of college basketball with him. All right, on the other side, we'll hand out our... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Goats of the weekend. We'll do that. It's coming up next. 
I'm looking at our pop quiz right now, KB. First couple questions. I don't think it's going to be too easy. I think it's going to be too easy on a Monday. We got some winners last week. Might be a little bit more difficult uh, coming up this week. Pat Forty going to join us. We'll get to our goats of the weekend as well. We'll do all of that. I should mention just real quick off the top. We haven't done so a lot of NFL today and a lot of Pacer conversation as well. You never want to see people get hurt. Did you see Julius Randle get injured over the weekend with that separated shoulder? Yeah. a dislocated shoulder. I haven't seen a timetable on that. What, what, what is it? Yeah, I haven't seen a timetable on that as well, but I mean, my man's going to be missing some time there. The Knicks, of course, right there Pacers with the play Pacers. Them twice before yeah, the All-Star break. They, they do, and they're sandwiched right there. The Knicks, two games up in the uh, the uh, the win column, two and a half games back technically are the Pacers, so the Knicks are the four-seed Pacers, the six-seed as we wake up on this Monday morning, but uh, just figured I would throw that out there. The Knicks have liked the way they They've played, uh, and Randall has been very good under Tom Thibodeau. And uh, he went down, I tell you, he looked hurt, and he was hurt. He's out today at least. I'm trying to look this up. He's at least out tonight. And uh, it was uh, it was a scary sight. I mean, he ran back to the uh, down the tunnel. Yeah, honestly, if you want to look at it, the teams that you know the Siakam and Ananobi trades they've worked out brilliantly early on here for both of these teams. Uh, the Knicks have been outstanding on the defensive end of the floor. Ananobi's been super efficient offensively as well, uh, and uh, Siakam, of course, has given the Pacers exactly what they would have hoped for here early on. So tomorrow night, 7.30 tip in Boston and then at New York. So a little road trip out east again, 7.30 on Thursday and then back home. Sabonis and company coming up Friday. That'll be a rematch with the Kings. That will be a back-to-back 7.30 on Friday. All right, let's dive into it. Let's give our goats of the weekend here on this Monday. Fire it up, Mark. Who is the goat? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's here, That's why he's the GOAT! The GOAT! Or GOAT. This guy sucks. Of the week. starting it. Uh, We'll give our good goat, our bad goats of the weekend. I'll go first, and I mentioned this guy. Uh, I'm going to go positive here, and I'll go with the Pacers. I'm going to go with Andrew Nemhard to me as uh, the goat of the weekend. Again, I I view this Pacer weekend as in context. That's been a key word this weekend, putting things in context. Uh, There was a chance that some good teams walked into Gamebridge and left with a win. You beat Joel Embiid. You beat Beat the Phoenix Suns, a great game on Friday night, and then you got to rest, guys. Now, we'll see, especially Halliburton, Miles Turner, how much those linger to the practice today in the game in Boston, obviously, tomorrow night. But if they play, and you know, and the Pacers are basically healthy on Tuesday, they got to sit some guys, Matherin got to come out and have a good game, and you got that win over Memphis last night. But last four games, Nemard, 57% from the field, averaging 18 points, 8 assists. Uh, and as for a guy filling in for one of the better players in all of the league in Tyrese Halliburton, those are good numbers from Andrew Nemhart. He's my goat of the week. My goat of the weekend, honestly, I, I will admit, is probably more of a longevity acknowledgement as the goat. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback the NFL has ever seen. And I get that his numbers weren't necessarily eye-popping, eye-popping. I thought he had a tremendous start to the game. 
on Sunday and then obviously closed it out with an unbelievable throw uh, to ice that one. And look, you know, Tom Brady, you know, he's the real GOAT. You know, you could probably get into like greatest winner versus greatest player. I just know what my eyes have seen. And my eyes tell me that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback. Um, I think in a way, it's a little bit similar to how people that love golf can debate Tiger Woods versus Jack Nicholas. Sure, Nicholas has some numbers that you definitely uh, are better just when you look at it on paper than Tiger, but at their peaks. Um, again, Tiger, the greatest golfer, in my opinion, of all time. Um, so, yes, Patrick Mahomes to me. I know it's not necessarily a game to remember from him on Sunday, uh, but you make four Super Bowls in five years and you've done that to start your career. It's absurd. Only Sir. Kevin Bowen could intertwine golf and Patrick Mahomes somehow. <laughs> Tiger Woods. Yeah. Do, do you guys feel that at all? I mean, I, 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 no, I do. I'm I with you. Guys aren't, I'm with aren't you. Really golfers, yeah. No, no. I, I, yeah, because I, I Jack so. has numbers where you say, well, he's no doubt the greatest of all time. But then you're like, okay, look at what Tiger did. And Mahomes, you know, didn't have to throw for 495 I mean, yards and five Bowls touchdowns. Is insane. Oh, it's ridiculous. Is insane by Brady. And Mahomes uh, might not, or, you know, probably won't get there. But if you just look at their two abilities and how they play on the field, uh, yeah, to me, there's there's really little little debate. I, I think Mahomes is the greatest quarterback ever. Well, just as a team, and he's part of it, they are prepared, and when they get into nut-cutting time, whether it be regular season or postseason, more than not, they come through. They don't fold after that loss to, uh, to Oakland. Uh, to the Raiders, they didn't fold. There's something to be said about that. Not many, I mean, come on, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, they don't play their best when they get to the postseason, and the Chiefs, they find a way every single time. The Brady-Mahomes comps are kind of like how the Brady-Montana comps were when Brady was still coming up and he was hitting all these Super Bowls at such a young age. It reminds me of everybody's like, well, Joe Montana has this many, and now it's kind of shifted to where it's Brady versus Mahomes for greatest sure. of all time. And again, Kansas City's defense, outstanding yesterday. I want to make sure we like give proper due to other areas, but to me, it was just one of those confirmations of Mahomes is the greatest. My uh, GOAT was an event that took place Saturday night at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida. Mm. The Royal Rumble, my favorite pro wrestling event of the year. WWE put on four hours of just fun and entertainment. It's always my favorite. You never know who's coming out in the Royal Rumble for the men and the women. Uh, Cody Rhodes won back-to-back Royal Rumbles. He's only the fourth person to ever do that. And then Bayley won the Women's Championship. So the road to WrestleMania has begun. There's some surprises, some debuts, and all that stuff. And it was an overall a, a very good show. My daughter's starting to get into it as oh, well. God, pray for them. That's always fun. <laughs> you sure you my, want to uh, do of the year? My middle <laughs> daughter was. We were watching the women's Royal Rumble. She's like, I want the girl in the orange hair to come out. I like her. I'm like, well, I like her too. Uh, I mean, she's she's pretty good. So she didn't win either, Becky Lynch. But um, yeah. The girls are starting to get into it, which makes me a proud dad. And uh, yeah, good times. Didn't Can't Roman wait. Reigns win something? Did. I, I thought he's, I saw. Okay, he's been champion for like four years now. So we'll, oh, see. Has we'll he see what really? happens as they head into WrestleMania, which is in Philly this year at Lincoln Financial Field. That and should I be a fun be one. Totally off on this, Mark. But did I see some announcement about Indy in June? Yeah, the Raw is coming here, right? Yeah, Raw is coming here Monday Night Raw. So that'll be like June twenty fourth or whatever. We're still trying to get a Royal Rumble or a WrestleMania to come here, but I think with the Royal Rumble being in January, they kind of avoid the NFL stadiums due to possible conflicts. So I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Hopefully, a Royal Rumble one day. Yeah, because Lucas Oil would be great for that. Oh, it'd be fantastic. My lowercase goat from the weekend. I think it's apps, and I don't know who the people are that I need to yell at, but I'll just yell at all the parties involved, whether it was BYU, whether it was Texas. The absolute idiotic move 
uh, to force the BYU <laughs> students who had T-shirts spelling out horns down in the student section that they were told they could not, no longer wear those T-shirts. Why, BYU bent the knee. The coach After afterwards the was like, no, game. that's not us. It's not who we are. What are okay. we doing? Horns down in a student section? I t- how does Texas, how does every other team, whether it be NFL, so NBA, up, not allowed it either? doesn't matter, college or pro, So if every IU student team, section has boiler down t-shirts, can they listen, not wear that? Exactly. Every, every other team deals with being taunted in sports. I don't care if it's high school. I mean, there's high schools that do it around. Yeah, if it's high school, college, or pro sports, everyone uh, gets made fun of. They get called out. They get belittled by the crowd in some sort the of way. The Providence student section is chanting at Ed Cooley, where's your mistress? And at the BYU-Texas <laughs> game, we cannot wear horns down t-shirts. Well, I mean, they've done this consistently. The BYU coach gave in it. It's not, it's not what we do. Unbelievable. Why do we care what Texas thinks? Oh, you, I mean, something I love about college basketball are the atmospheres. I, I think it's honestly maybe the greatest reason why I pay so much attention to college basketball. You know, I, I got some you know friends that are big time NBA fans. They're like, I'm sorry, I can't watch it. The product is just nowhere like the NBA. And I'm like, yeah, but have you seen the atmospheres? Right. Have you seen the crowds? Have right. you kind of been in those energy and the environments? And whether it's you know Assembly Hall a few weeks ago or Mackey coming up in Ugh. a couple of weeks or Hinkle, like you just can't get that in the NBA, obviously, and yet we're going to take it away because these guys are wearing t- horns down T-shirts. Well, I mean, the Big Twelve did it Am to, I where, missing something to where it was a penalty. The SEC better not give in. They better try to embarrass Texas instead of giving in. I'll give you my goat. It's funny that you mentioned it. It's not even totally this guy, but it's a narrative from the college basketball purist, the analyst, if you will. But why do we care about Ed Cooley? I, I mean, he went back to Georgetown. It's like it was a fun atmosphere. They were making fun of him. But it's like Ed Cooley's been to one Sweet 16. And I have to, like, Ed Cooley's going back. He's taking his Georgetown team into Providence. Like, no offense, but no one's cared about Georgetown basketball in 20 years. And I feel like since JT3, since he had Otto Porter maybe 12, 15 years ago is the last time I cared about Georgetown basketball. And I don't care who the Providence head coach is. Yeah, I, I know. It, it was a fun atmosphere, but it's like I Ed, loved it because Ed it was returns. Like okay, it was something to watch besides yeah. Notre Dame and Boston College. It's like okay, at that hour. Uh, but yeah, it was like wait, has Ed Cooley been to like three Final Fours? Yeah, that I missed? Ed Cooley's made one Sweet Sixteen and went to a round of thirty-two in two thousand fifteen. Like he's a fine coach, but the Ed Cooley watcher, Ed Cooley, be great at this job or that job. Like how about Ed Cooley focus on second weekend of the tournament before we do anything else? I know I sound like an old Kermunchkin today. I apologize. My lowercase goat, uh, Tony Romo, is just awful at his job. He's so <laughs> brutal. And the fact that he's calling three of the final four NFL games of the season is just, it should be a crime in itself. Here's just one example of him being terrible. And that ball is out. Chiefs ball in games like this. The ball matters more than any game. Oh, what God. are you yeah. talking about? I mean, Here's another one. one score. 10 and 5. Ball batted up into the air. He caught his own pass. That's one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. This is intercepted 100%.
It wasn't intercepted. <laughs> he tipped it to himself. That's not 100%, Tony. That's not how math now, Mark works. came with ammo. You, you, you do not he like Tony Romo. Romo. And he is getting paid $17 million a year for 10 years by CBS. You don't think CBS wants to do over with that one? Here's well, what it, And it also is very apparent when then you watch Olsen after. I mean, I think Olsen is yeah, tremendous. Yeah, is fantastic. You know what it is? Romo started off... And everyone kissed his bleep because he was predicting some play calls. Yeah. And everyone loved it. And I think Romo stopped working hard after that. Well, after he got all the love and he got the contract, I wonder if he's like, oh, I can do I, you know, I can do this. Well, supposedly CBS had meetings with him where like, you need to do some more homework here because it's not reflecting very well on or, the or broadcast. Or just times it's just like, just take a breath before you speak. Like, take a breath, realize, okay, you know. Let's let it play out. Let the crowd noise. Let Jim Nance kind of handle it for a bit. And, you know, when he's at his best, it's kind of dissecting the X and O stuff. I don't know. Just kind of stay in your lane a little bit. What, like what if he, Nance likes him? Does he get paid by the word? Like, I feel like that's what happens. <laughs> we stick to golf. But you know what I'm saying? Like, Nance, like Nance is, he wants to be seen as, hey, the crew I'm with is the best crew and I don't know anyone who feels that about this particular crew. And they were so, you know, ready to get Phil Sims out of there. I, I mean, I understood it. But, you know, to me, to me, Romo plateaued a couple years ago. He really did. I feel like that's also like, and they have to lean on their their side. Like Tracy Wolfson and Gene Steratore and Jade Feely. Like, hey, someone else chime in before Tony starts going away. Like, it's just, it's a bad broadcast. And now we get it for the Super Bowl. It's just going to be unbearable. He was in Terre Haute on Saturday. Pat Forty joins us next. All right, my guy Pat Forty going to join us coming up here in about six or seven minutes. You know, I did radio with Pat uh, quite a bit, especially we did we did a remote together at a liquor store the Monday or Tuesday before COVID shut everything oh down on conference tournaments. Well, I don't know if we want to have him yeah. on there. Is that a bad omen? No, nah, I don't know. Well, I don't think it's a bad omen. Now, he was at Indiana State yeah. Bradley yeah. coming up. I think oh, Greg yeah. Doyle was there as well. Oh, so wow. They, Some heavyweights so in attendance. So the attention starting to build for Josh Shirts and company. Again, great atmosphere as it looked like not only in Terre Haute, but Hinkle as well on uh, on Saturday. So uh, very, very important wins for both of those programs as they try to build. Uh, you know, Indiana State's case, you know, they still have got a great chance at that automatic bid. You know, Butler's case, in all likelihood, it's going to be the at-large route. Uh, so much needed for both of them. Yeah, Butler, goodness. They have a quad one and quad two Galore. opportunities the next three weeks. Yeah. It's going to pretty much make or break their season. All right, next, Pat Forty joins us to talk a little college b-ball. All right, 9 o'clock hour. Brock. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Passing live from the drivehubler.com studios. KB and Andy, Mark Dighton producing It's the Wake Up Call on this Monday, reacting tons of college basketball. Wow, what a weekend. Thursday, Friday, and last night uh, by the Pacers. Quite the weekend there. And then the NFL as we have our Super Bowl matchup, Chiefs and Niners coming your way in a couple weeks. They do the Pro Bowl games. I need to, I guess I'll have to dial into that next Sunday. I don't think the last couple years since they've even changed those things around KB that I've even watched that. Of course, my team doesn't have any pro bowlers, so it doesn't, doesn't really like matter either, either way. It's like a field day. It's like an elementary yeah, it's field, a field day. Hey, the field day was great, man. End of the year, the weather was nice. You know, it's the end of the year, this the school year uh, and everything else. It's just Quentin Nelson, right, from the Colts? 
I believe that's it. I was wrong. I thought, you know, I thought guys would drop off enough that like Michael Pittman would end up being there, right? Uh, but I guess that's just not going to happen. And since there's no game, what does Quinn Nelson do? Tug does of he war. Just, he just stand around and do a tug of war. Like what else? He gets a free trip, right? Throw a keg. I don't know. <laughs> well, it used to be valuable because it was in Hawaii. So a bunch of guys wanted to get the trip to Hawaii with their family. I don't even know. Where's it at now? Isn't it Orlando, right? Oh, is it Orlando? Trying okay. to get the Disney experience no. to the family. Fair enough. Okay, there you go. I have no problem with that. Uh, we also but, got the Senior Bowl this week. I know it's an event that yeah, sometimes well, some Senior Bowl is a big deal. Can trickle out for Mobile. Um, you know, Chris Power and company will be down there for that. Uh, we know the Colts are huge, huge advocates of the Senior Bowl. So typically, you'll have several members of their draft class uh, come from the Senior Bowl. So just something to keep an eye on here. This week when we're talking NFL news cycle. Yeah, so uh, tons of college basketball. Jim Harbaugh off to the NFL. We can get his thoughts on that uh, and much more. So Pat Forty, he needs, okay, he needs about a minute. He's getting out of a hair appointment, he said. Give him about 60 seconds. (laughs) He's got great hair, too. So we'll get Pat here in about 60 seconds. I I do, too. I think I'm going to do... I think I'm going tomorrow, maybe Wednesday. We'll see. Check out 459 Barber Lounge up on the north side. Bill Belichick may take a TV job. Does that interest you before we get Pat on here? What, uh, What is it? Oh, I mean, he's going to be an analyst of some kind. That's so what that's gonna what the, one of these pregame yeah, shows. Yeah, he's going like to be a color he's, analyst during a He's game. probably going to be one of the nineteen NFL uh, people who's on a pregame show. So Saban, College Game Day, and Belichick like CBS or Fox before the game. Uh, yeah, the only problem with that is Saban. If he goes to Game Day, you got to watch out. That's now Pat McAfee territory, right? Well, the I little mean, league Corso and Pat McAfee. Well, I, yeah, you got two I guys think, dominating that. I think it's time for Corso to hang it up. I, he did maybe what half the schedule last year. Did he do half the schedule? I want to say incredible seventy percent of the schedule. Incredible run, but something like honestly, that. Honestly, probably about five years. I ago. think Belichick will actually be up. good at that. I, I'm I'm one of those yeah, that Belichick. If you telestrated up with them, oh, I think he could do that. Yeah, I think he'd be good at that. I don't know if he'd be good at games. You know, that's difficult. I don't know if he'd be good at that. Plus, you'd have to go to Fox or CBS and be like the third crew. I'm not sure that's something that he would do. But all these pregame shows and everything else, I think he'd be fantastic. And the thought is Washington and Seattle, the two openings left that they were kind of targeting. It sounded like Ben Johnson. Yeah, Ben Johnson to Washington. Uh, the Detroit OC and then, uh, what is it, Mike McDonald? That's what Baltimore's it, that, DC. That's what it looks like. So both of those teams are out. They're not going to have to wait. What about you know, the Colts had to wait? Andy Reid. Well, that I mean, that's 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 kind of what everyone's looking to see. Boy, I tell you though, if you're Andy Reid, man, you might want to keep, keep that rolling. A little I bit. mean, I know, I know, I know, I'm selfish, but don't you feel like don't you feel like Mahomes has another I, I don't, two Super Bowls in him? Oh, at least, I, at I least, mean, yeah. what is he? Twenty eight? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't you feel like he's you're get, got? You're getting a national couple? commercials. People are quoting you on the Nuggies commercials. You're getting you know, out with Taylor Swift. You got a pretty sweet life right now with Andy. Reed. Honestly, one of the things <laughs> with Reed and Mork here, and again, he doesn't strike me as someone that necessarily like is tired of football or anything like that. Um, you know, I I know he's certainly had a lot with his family though. Um, that has gone on, but, sure. You know, part of me is kind of thinking there. You know, who on that stage? You know, would they just elevate no, Steve no, Spagnuolo? No, you, no, Matt I, I don't Nagy? think. No, no not chance. Matt Nagy. No, Nagy was a but complete Reed, disaster. Like, would they? This sounds. Does it sound crazy? Would they go and get Eric Bieniemy? Well, I was thinking, would they just go get Belichick and <laughs> he's got a quarterback? Does Andy Reid kind of pick that? Yeah, I mean, but, does, he does, has does to. Reed, he has to. He doesn't want someone like Belichick taking over and getting some of his Super Bowls back end. Yeah, Vrabel would be interesting. 
Yeah, to me, it's about who do you keep at offensive coordinator. I'm not a Nagy fan. Anyway, let's get to Pat Forty, Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Pat Forty joining us here from SI.com, Sports Illustrated. Pat, it's been a while, my friend. How are you? Good, sir. Hey, Andrew. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Man, everything is uh, it's fantastic uh, here in Indianapolis. Uh, tons of good NFL. Uh, Pacers had a big weekend. So all the nonsense uh, in college basketball. I, I guess let's start on the NFL side. I know you were there embedded with Indiana State for a little bit. So I want to get your thoughts on that and just some general college basketball thoughts as well. Uh, Dan Campbell, Lamar Jackson gets the loss. Dan Campbell, they give up a 17-point win. He goes for on fourth down what were your thoughts last night watching those nfl games um I, you know i i thought the ravens absolutely gagged i thought they choked frankly i and i was very disappointed in that i i like lamar jackson i've always liked him obviously as you know being in louisville saw him play as a college kid he's a likable guy uh he's a great player but i think he's a stress case and i think the bigger the game the more stressed out he gets and more he presses and tries to score three touchdowns on one possession. Uh, and obviously his teammates were worse than he was. I mean, you know, the penalties that they had and uh, some of the mistakes that they made were, were just brutal. So the Ravens were a colossal disappointment. Uh, credit to the Chiefs. I mean, you know, boy, they, they certainly looked like a team that knew how to handle the moment. That's for sure. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, I mean, I felt bad for the Lions. I mean, they, they played a great game, but I, I disagreed very much with Dan Campbell's uh, fourth down decisions. I, I know, you know, that's who he is, and that's how they do things, and blah, 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 blah. And that's fine against a terrible Denver defense in October when you're playing the 49ers and there's a quarter and a half left to get to the Super Bowl and you can go up 17 – I would have kicked. And then when you can, I believe it was tie the game at 27 and shift the pressure back to the Niners, I would have kicked. Uh, and, you know, I just, I, I think that there's, a, you know, a little bit of this, this kind of whole thing of our identity is we go for everything and that's fine, but you could end up being Brandon Staley too. So there. Boy, that's two ends of the spectrum right there. Pat Forty is with us here from SI.com. Again, as we said, uh, he was in Terre Haute this weekend to watch the Sycamores of Indiana State. Pat, for those that maybe have not watched Indiana State this year, certainly um, you know a lot of attention around their three-point shooting, just their offense in general. Would you compare them at all to any sort of maybe a higher major team that some people have seen a little bit more of, whether it's even this year or in years past? Um. You know, they're, they, they're, they don't have the athletic size that Alabama had last year. But in terms of <clears throat> spread the floor, pass the ball, play really fast, and shoot the heck out of it, <clears throat> that's, that's what they've got. And they are fun. I mean, they are really fun to watch. Frankly, I, I don't think this is a, too much of a stretch. I compare them to Washington's football team, where it's mm. just like we are – opening it up wide open we're going deep and that's they 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 run and they pass and they shoot it from deep a lot and they make them i mean their their field goal percentages are unbelievable free throw percentages are unbelievable they're the number two i think uh total efficiency field goal percentage team in the country um they're fearless and they they really play a fun fun brand of basketball i mean if if you've been burdened watching Indiana University this <laughs> right, season, sure. 
There's a nice alternative in Terre Haute. <laughs> Pat, Indiana was... Uh, you in could the, not be at two no, further ends of the you, spectrum again with you really shooting couldn't. in Bloomington versus Terre Haute. Pat, the Hoosiers were 0 of 9 from 3 over the weekend. They didn't make a 3, and they shot like 54% from the free throw line. It's the state of Indiana, Pat. Come on. Yeah, it, that's pretty <laughs> darn bad, and that is the opposite of Indiana State. I mean, the Indiana State-Bradley uh, game, Bradley shot 71% in the second half and 78% from three-point range and didn't win. Because in overtime, uh, Indiana State, I believe, made every shot. They might have missed one. Uh, I mean, and it was like three for three from three. I mean, they just, they ball. I mean, they really, really are a skilled, uh, fearless group. They're, they're a lot of fun. Pat Forty with us here. He's from SISI.com. Sports Illustrated joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Just last thing, at least for me, on Indiana State. Um, I I guess what I hate about it is if they, you know, if they don't win the MVC, if they don't win the uh, the conference tournament, they're going to be stuck in this situation to where I've always picked on this team. But uh, are we going to take them as an at large with maybe like four or five losses on the season, or are we going to take the SEC team like Mississippi State? who might be 16 and 14 on the season or a big 10 team that fits into that same mold. Do you, I guess I hope that doesn't happen to them, but I, I for, I foresee a situation where that could happen to them, I guess. Oh yeah. That's always, always the could happen <clears throat> for the mid majors. And I hate it. I hate it as much as anything in sports. What the way the, the NCAA tournament tends to skew. And I think even more now than ever towards mediocre teams that are eighth or ninth or 10th in their league, in their high major league, and you leave out somebody that had a great season uh, like like an, an Indiana State. There's three really good teams in the Valley. Um, Drake, Indiana State, and Bradley. Bradley's really good, too. And not all three of them are getting in. I hope two of them are. But, they're, you know, they're just, they put so much pressure on these teams in the league tournaments. And, it's, you know, it's brutal to have this great season – and go in there knowing we can't screw up. Whereas, you know, uh, you said your Mississippi States, your, um, <clears throat> you know, Michigan States, uh, you know, your, your, your uh, Syracuses or whatever will come, you know, flailing into their league tournaments and losing the first round and probably still get in. And so, you know, I, I just, I hate the way that things are set up just basically engineered against those schools that have a hard time scheduling high major opponents. It's a great Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Pat, if you could rewind maybe to how you felt about Purdue last year at this time and what you've seen from them this year at this time, I think in general maybe there are not a lot of Tier 1 teams around Purdue this go-around. I don't know, maybe it's too early for me to say that and Ultimately, it's about who can get hot over three weeks in March. But uh, how do you feel about the Boilers compared to uh, last year in regards to making a potential run? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean they're really good and probably the best team in the country. Uh, and I love the way they play, and I love Matt Painter's coaching, and I love the players on the team. Uh, but it all comes with that huge caveat of, can you please do it in March? Please. Please, uh, you know they just they take this huge amount of baggage with them into the postseason, and you know Painter is unbelievably candid and accountable about that. He's like, you know what, what's the one common denominator in these these March flameouts? Me, and you know, he, I mean, he doesn't run from that, but 
So it would be nice to see a guy like that uh, be rewarded with a Final Four. But, boy, you know, you just look at the whole landscape this year, and it is <clears throat> parody city. I, I, you know, it's kind of a cliche and an excuse, but it really is. Like, you're as good as your last road trip, and it it's difficult to – you know, piece things together and sustain them for what's going to need to be six games. But somebody's going to do it. Um, and outside of UConn, really, I think Purdue is as good as anybody and certainly has the pieces if they can get out of their own heads and play to their level uh, when it counts. Pat Forty with us here. Pat, I can't figure out who I like this season outside of you mentioned UConn and we throw in Purdue. Listen, I mean, this is Purdue's chance as well. I guess North Carolina, I'm not sold on Tennessee. I know you've seen Kentucky up close. They've had some head-scratching losses as well. Kansas, too. I I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to find out who I actually like this season, and I feel like that number I can count on like one hand right now. Maybe that's unfair, but it's how I feel in late January. Oh, yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, again, you can like a lot of teams. Hard to trust any of them. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, just to look at them and think, oh, yeah, they can they can do it. I mean, yeah, Arizona, do they guard well enough? Uh, Kentucky, do they guard well enough? Um, uh, Houston and I would put Houston and Arizona also in the same category with Purdue of like, you got to quit losing to lower-seeded teams in the tournament. I mean, you know, there has to be – some reason to believe you can actually overachieve instead of underachieving. So, you know, there's just, there's teams with baggage. There's teams without enough weapons. There's teams that don't play enough defense. Uh, You know, it's a wildly imperfect season out there and that's going to be the fun of it. It's going to be hard to predict and it should be incredibly wild. I think everything that's going to happen probably in March. Pat Forty with us here from Sports Illustrated on the uh, the Payless Liquors Hotline. We talked about this before you came on. Uh, the BYU students had it spelled out horns down, uh, and they had to take those shirts off so we could cater to Texas. How do we get as a society to where we're catering to Texas's <laughs> feelings on horns down? And do you think Greg Sankey will do that in the SEC next year? Boiler down in the IU. <laughs> I mean, they're the, they're they're the only they're the only team in sports that it's like, no, you can't make fun of their moniker or you'll get in trouble. It's the only place we do this, is it not? It's incredible. I, like, yes, how did how did they get this most favored nation protected status, you know? They're like, they're an endangered species almost. I mean, what? Like, and it's Texas. My God, they've got every advantage on the face of the earth, but we got to treat them like this poor, fragile little program. I mean, it's unbelievable. Football and basketball. We can't we can't do horns down to them. Oh my goodness. What <laughs> think of the children. I mean, it, it's just so stupid. I, like if I was BYU students, I I might have said, Fine, I'll leave. I you know, if, if we're gonna do this, then I'm I'm not I'm not gonna be part of it. I don't know. But it's uh it's incredible that they've somehow pulled it off, the poor, fragile Longhorns. I'm, I'm glad somebody's taking care of them. God, that's such a great analogy. They're, they are like an endangered species at times. Uh, Pat, last one for me, and appreciate your time here on this Monday morning. Again, Pat Forty, who was at Terre Haute over the weekend watching the Sycamores get it done in overtime. Um, I feel like you'd be the perfect person to ask. I had a Kentucky fan message me over the weekend. Oh, boy, Pat. And goes, I- I'm tired of John Calipari. He can't build a program. With all of Kentucky's backing, he still can't put a respectable roster together. Is that sentiment? Like, 
Tell them, Pat. Shared by a lot of Kentucky fans. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not like <laughs> as plugged in with Big Blue Nation as I should be, but I was a little surprised to see it go to that level. I'd say 80% of the fan base feels that way. Wow. Uh, I Does mean, the administration yeah, no, feel that way? What's that? Does the administration feel that way? Uh, no, no. Now, even if they did, they're they're handcuffed. You know, they're financially handcuffed. He's got a Jimbo Fisher contract. And so even if you are sick of John Calipari, you can't get rid of John Calipari at this point. I mean, I think bio would be like $50 million. And, you know, the problem is, yeah, does he underachieve as a coach? Absolutely. Um, but every year they bring in great players and everybody gets excited again. And part of the season they look great, and everybody, oh, this is just, see, it's back, Cal's back, Cal's back. And then, you know, they go lose by 17 to South Carolina. Uh, it's, you know, it's, that's what they do. So, I, I mean, I don't blame the fans. I think Cal's a con man, and I think he's conned everybody for a long time. Um, but they're, they're stuck with him, basically, um, unless somebody, some coal baron or some horse owner, you know, wants to say, <laughs> Sails in and says, "I got the fifty million. Get rid of him." I think I think he's going to be the keep being the coach. Yeah, Pat. Kevin looked at me. And goes, yeah, yeah, "These Kentucky fans not happy with Calipari." I'm like, "That's opening an entire bag of." Uh, <laughs> it, it is crazy. <laughs> that's a, that's a no bag of worms right there. In five years. Oh yeah, the last couple years have not been good. But he he very much has a a Jimbo Fisher deal. If you want to pay him on the way out, what? Let me. The last one, I guess, for me as well. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. What did you make of him making the jump to the NFL and then Sharon? Or if it be, you know becomes official here, he takes that job. What kind of bag is he going to be holding? Do you think with all the punishments that may come their way uh, with the NCAA? What do you make of that situation? Yeah, that is the great unknown. Um, I, you know, it's very difficult to predict the NCAA, but I do think they're going to have significant sanctions. Uh, what they actually are, I don't know, and I don't think Harbaugh leaving gives them a full escape on that. So. You know, what are you with scholarship reductions? I will see if they get a postseason ban. Um, it's interesting. You know, the, the things had the, the pendulum had skewed very definitely away from postseason bans. But I do think there's some pretty big cases in the hopper that could yield some pretty wild results. And Michigan's certainly one of them. I mean, they've got two cases. So, look, Harbaugh, I, I don't, I'm not surprised he left. I, I don't blame him for leaving. He's wanted to go back to the NFL. The timing's perfect. You got him the national championship, and here comes the posse. So, get a move on. But uh, is he going to leave him? Yeah, he's going to leave him holding a bit of a bag there. And we'll see if Sharon Moore's up to it. I mean, they love him there. And he did a very good job on game days when he stepped in, but those were just Saturdays. Like, Harbaugh did all the coaching during the week. Now we'll see if Sharon Moore's a – Sunday to Friday, Coach, too. Pat, I always think it's pretty cool when someone with your national reputation decides to head to a place like Terre Haute for a Saturday afternoon. So thanks for giving them a little bit of love, and uh, thank you for joining us here on this Monday. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. That's Pat Forty right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You look back at Indiana State over Bradley on Saturday, and again now 18-3 and on the season, 9-1 and in the Missouri Valley Andy, their starters, that game went into overtime. Their starters played 43, yeah, 43, <laughs> 44, 39, and 45 minutes in that game. I thought the Washington football analogy was such an interesting one, though. And if you look at it, just incredible balance. And if you watch Washington this season, I mean, sure, they've got guys that are going to be higher draft picks than others, but it was kind of a balanced attack and how Michael Penix 
distributed everything, and Robbie Avila probably being the guy that does the bulk of that. Uh, but just, you know, everybody in the starting lineup made at least five shots. No one made more than seven. Everybody hit at least one three. Everybody got to the foul line. Uh, 18, 19, 22, 14, 17 points. Good thing they don't do back-to-backs in college basketball. Those guys guys would be wasted. Yeah, so come (laughs) Missouri Valley time, you got to win three games, and I don't know, maybe they spread that out to four days if you become the one seed like Indiana State's on track to be in the conference tournament. That could hurt them a little bit, but just great balance. And uh, I thought that analogy was an interesting one. I, I can envision a little Alabama. I think when we watched those Alabama teams play, here in recent years, it was they put a lot of offensive talent on the floor uh, and certainly some great shooting, some great decision makers as well. Man, I'm I'm not kidding. I'm struggling, KB, on. And I think, I think Pat probably said it best. It's not who you like. It's who you trust right now uh, in this college basketball season. I, I think that is – I think that's – I think that's the key in why I like Purdue – Right now, obviously, they're number two in the country. They have Edie. They're seventeen and two. You know, they have. I need to look it up. But what is it? Six quad one wins. Yeah, they something ridiculous the like that. Yeah. So it's like it's easy. I'll look up bracketologists, but it's easy. They're going to be a one seed. They'll play the first two games. You know, right down here, uh, down the road. They have. Se- they're seven and two in quad one games. They're five and zero oh in quad two. I mean, that's twelve and two in quad one and two. That's ridiculous. I just that I guess that would be why I like Purdue is I feel like I trust them and I was listening to Pat and this might be something we can talk about even tomorrow. Purdue, I think this offseason is trying to not have the feel that the Baltimore Ravens have. Or maybe they already have it and they're trying to break out of that. You know, when Baltimore, when they not that they lose every playoff game, Lamar's two and four, but it does feel like there is an added pressure slash angst um, almost that the other shoe's about to drop. That's how I feel with some of the Lamar stuff. I, I think that's what you're trying to guard against if you're Purdue of the Oh, here we go again, type thing to where they, I mean, they've been dominant in the regular season. And then you get to the postseason. And unfortunately, that matters more than if you have 12 quad one wins over a couple months before that. Well, honestly, you know, we talked about it last week. It's why I think having Lance Jones is really key for them. I think you need a little crazy. I think you need a guy that uh, he doesn't have fairly Dickinson scar tissue, St. Right. Peter scar tissue on his resume. And yeah, was he one of 10 yesterday? Sure. Did he also have 10 rebounds, eight assists, and five steals? And when you needed kind of a little jolt or a little energy, he can provide that on both ends of the floor because inevitably, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, when they're standing at the circle and it's a, the ball's about to be tipped at Gamebridge Fieldhouse on that Thursday or Friday afternoon or evening, yeah, they're going to they're gonna have some sweaty palms. But again, you, you've got a little bit of a different guy now to throw into that mix, and I do think that helps you over the course of six games where not all of them are going to be these cookie-cutter type of, hey, here we are, 80-30-10, and 10, and Purdue scoring 82. And honestly, Andy, yesterday is a perfect example of it. If you told Steve Peichel before the game, you're going to get a game in the 60s, he would have said, hell yeah. Let's go. I mean, yeah. Purdue had what, scored 90? Yeah, And like go. their last four, you know, average 91, I think it was, in their last four. And that, to me, I think is, when I asked Pat Forty that question a few minutes ago, is there anything that makes you feel different about Purdue late January this year versus late January last year? And I look at it and think they've won in different ways, and now it's 
again, not Morton out there for 30 minutes or David Jenkins out there for 20 minutes or Brandon Newman out there. I think Lance Jones gives you more of that. He's a consistent guy in a variety of areas. It might not be the second leading score every night. It might not be the biggest assist number every night, but he can impact the game in different ways. Whereas the others, Morton, Newman, you know, and Jenkins, to me, it was a little. It was either too inconsistent or too one-trick pony stuff. And so I think that's why I do feel better about Purdue. Dating back to Maui, when they won those three games in, in three days in, in different ways, and then the Arizona game, and then how you've seen them react to the Northwestern and Nebraska losses, I think those are important signs. You know what's crazy is they'll play on Wednesday Northwestern, so they'll get that, um, you know, if they want that get back. And again, I, I think they'll beat Northwestern there uh, at Purdue. And then they have at Wisconsin on Sunday. That's kind of the Big Ten game of the year. It, it, it is. I mean, it really is. And they'll play Wisconsin at the end of the year. But, I mean, there's a great chance after Wisconsin, I mean, then it's Indiana, Minnesota, Ohio State, Rutgers, that's back at home, and at Michigan, their February is going to be rather easy. And I, and, I, and I say that knowing that they could get upset and someone storms a court against them or maybe you know they hit some sort of a wall. I don't think that's going to happen. If they can win that Wisconsin game, boy, KB, they have one, two, three, four, five games in February. And I think four out of the five should be rather easy, whether it's a, an Indiana at Ohio State, maybe one of those teams gives them you know, uh, a, a test, if you will, late into the second half. But their February, they should cruise, cruise into March. They really should. Honestly, if you just put like side by side Butler's upcoming upcoming schedule versus Purdue, it just goes to show you the difference in the Big East and the Big Ten this season. I mean, That's the Big a great East point. Yeah, far I should do that. Far better conference when you look at the depth, the amount of opportunities. You know, whether you want to get analytical or technical with the quad one chances and things like that. Um, and for those that had a fleeting hope for Indiana going into Saturday afternoon, that's why you can't celebrate the moral victory. You can't sit here and be like, hey, short rotation and better minutes from Xavier Johnson and, you know, boy, chances on the road and, you know, luck's going to have it. You're going to hit a three or two in one of these games. You can't go down that path because the Big Ten doesn't afford you a handful more of those opportunities the rest of the way. I think if you look at Indiana's schedule – I think it's what? Just Purdue and Wisconsin rematches. I believe that's it. Yeah, let me look it up and put them next to each other. So in the month of February alone, Butler will have eight opportunities. They will have six quad one opportunities and two quad two opportunities. I mean, that's a beast. And Indiana has a lot of quad two because you got games like Northwestern and Nebraska. You have to be in the top. What is it uh, for the net to be a quad one at home? Oh, I always forget top 30. And so when you face a team like, you know, uh, Northwestern, that's, you know, they're a top 60 team, but they're not a top 30. So if you played them on the road, that'd be a quad one. You play them at home. It's a quad two. Nebraska uh, as well coming to Assembly Hall. You're right. I mean, Big East better than the better in a lot of ways in the Big Ten this season. Yeah, Big 12, Big East, certainly the top two conferences in college basketball this year. All right, pop quiz coming up in a few. 317-239-1070 for that. Speaking of the hardwood, the Pacers, they are on a three-game win streak, and it's been a great month of January considering the absence of Tyrese Halliburton. We'll lead off with that.
here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. Yeah, let's dive into it. 116-110, your final last night in Gamebridge. Pacers now 27-20 and 20 on the year. KB's guy, Benedict Matherin, 24 points in 30 minutes. Uh, was really good last night. Came in through the halfway, uh, through the part of the first quarter, took over. I thought did a great job. Had a couple threes uh, as well as a game where he could show out, and he did. Here's Matherin postgame on why the team has found success on this homestand. I feel like we have a lot of guys on the team, you know, who's able to get, you know, 24, who's able to get uh, 22. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just really, you know, a group of guys was who's able to you know to take over the game um you know last game against phoenix you know drew was playing you know amazing so i feel like we have we have a deep roster and that's the ability that we have um you know to be able to to finish the game yeah that deep roster three in a row like i said big weekend thursday friday sunday philly phoenix and memphis taking care of business practice today tyrese halliburton per rick carlisle supposed to practice today we'll see how much and then tomorrow 7 30 that tip off in boston on tnt you can hear it right here seven o'clock on the face yeah and one thing i'll add boston does play tonight so the pacers will practice and then board a flight for Boston. The Celtics are hosting the Pelicans tonight. We'll be interesting to see the availability for Boston. They only scored 96 in their last game out over the weekend. How they react to the Pelicans tonight versus that nationally televised game with the Pacers tomorrow. 7.30 tips all week long for Indiana. All right, the Super Bowl is set. It will be a sea of red in Vegas. That will be the 49ers and that will be the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Let's start with the first game, the AFC title game from yesterday. Kansas City a great start to that one. Andy, you and I have talked about it. I thought Baltimore just incredibly undisciplined. Um, I thought almost just caught up in the emotion of Hosteen and all their former guys back there. Eight penalties for 95 yards. Some extremely critical turnovers uh, at opportune times to try and get back into the game there. Lamar Jackson did not play well. And a credit to Kansas City's defense. Steve Spagnola did an outstanding job. And when you needed Patrick Mahomes to ice the game, he did that. So the Chiefs move on 17-10. That is now the sixth straight year. They've been in the AFC title game and fourth trip to the Super Bowl out of that. Must be nice for them. Do you want to hear the final call on Chiefs radio? That's on something 106.5 The Wolf, which is just a a- fantastic Cook, name. Why would I want to hear this? Uh, you sure you don't want to hear it? Well, this is... This is a boisterous, cocky call as the game went final. I'm going to make you hear it. It's over, and you can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs being the AFC champions for the fourth time in five seasons. The Chiefs have the Lamar Hunt trophy, and they're taking it to Vegas for Super Bowl 58. Prayers for Jake and Eddie for the next two weeks. I want to puke more after listening to that then I I figured you would like that the Lions puked on themselves yesterday what does the moment mean to you Andy it means a lot I could kiss you right now but I'm not going to do that (laughs) 24-7 was the lead in the (laughs) NFC title game before the 49ers came storming back honestly it felt like a blink of an eye just the snowball of the drop passes the decisions the can't down the punt at the one yard line 
Uh, Jameer Gibbs and Jared Goff run into each other. The dropped interception. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting other the plays. Brandon Ayuk catch off the oh, helmet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was just play. The it was just pick that turned into the. It was IU. play after play. But, it was like the offense contributed, the defense, and the special teams. All three areas contributed to that debacle. We have the final thirty a minutes. A lot on the Dan Campbell uh, criticisms. Those will be up on the podcast as well. And so the 49ers get it done. 34. 31 in that one. The early line, it's starting to creep closer and closer to a pick on the 49ers. were favored initially by a couple of points, hovering right around one and a half or so. So it could be, depending on how the next couple of weeks play out. Mahomes is a third straight underdog here in the playoffs. What do you think about that over-under, though? Was it like 47 40, and a half? 47 and a half. What do we do with that number? From an number? entertainment standpoint, I'd love to bet the over. And now who's the uh, who's the halftime show? It's Usher. Usher is right. that right? Yep. Uh-huh. Who's Usher bringing out? Do we know yet? I mean, he's got to be bringing out Usher. Listen, well, Taylor Swift, right? Well, he's got to be bringing out three, four other people because Usher is not carrying 15 minutes himself. No, you don't think Usher no. can go confessions no. one, two, three, four, five, six? Not a yeah. hu- I'm not a huge Usher guy. Yeah, Lil John and Lil John and Ludacris gonna come out for yeah. Yeah, see, that's that's what I'm talking about. He I needs always help. love how like you know. Here we are, sports football people giving our opinion on the halftime show. The NFL does not book Usher to get Andy Sweeney no, excited. No, they, no, they, no, book they don't. Usher to get Nikki and and <laughs> Maddie Bowen excited. Yeah, they know fun. what they're doing here. That's fine. I did. I did ask my wife, uh, the Canales guy who took over, who is a Tampa Bay OC, who's now the guy who's got the head coaching job in Carolina before yeah. he gets fired in two years and gets all the money. Two years, and, maybe and, two games. You know, they fired yeah. by Halloween. I, I said, is he better looking than Cliff Kingsbury? And she went with a no. This Canales guy, I'm kind of swooning over him a little bit. I don't know what's going on with yeah, me. I'm just glad butterflies in my stomach. They're not on the cult schedule, so Maddie does hopefully. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Doesn't have to see him, <laughs> see them, for yeah. quite a while. All right, it's time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. We'll do that next. All right, let's go. It's a Monday pop quiz. You ready for this? Have you have you studied over this? I have you not. looked over I this was, at all, KB? During the break, I was fielding messages from Big Blue Nation. <laughs> there seems to be you don't a bit want to get in the middle of that consensus on the John Calipari appreciation or lack thereof. Uh, I got out of that, uh, so I don't have to worry about what Kentucky fans think because they are crazy people. But Kentucky basketball is a is a it's a very uh, it's a conflicted BBN. That's what they are. They have a good team this year. I, I want to believe in their team a little bit more uh, than I do. Now we are that's st- kind of where I am. Still, Scotty, what a year away from Kentucky and Indiana back on the schedule. That's yeah, twenty the fall of twenty twenty five, right? Will be the or the winner, I should say, of twenty twenty five would be the first meeting and. I remember when that was announced a few months ago. I said to you, "Will Mike Woodson and John Calipari be coaching?" No, in no, in the first. No, in the first. Yeah, definitely not the last one because I still will never believe Cal's going to go back to Bloomington, and that'll be the the fourth matchup between the two. They're playing in Lexington, and then they're playing a couple uh, couple different games in different sites. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, Lucas Oil. That's a Cal loves doing that. He loves the you know going to a Lucas Oil or going to a Game Bridge or going to a Y or something like that and, and playing in those instead of the home atmospheres. So I don't believe Cal will ever see Bloomington, but we shall see on that. Kentucky's just confusing. Like they're good, but they feel like they should be better. And parity in college basketball has kind of slapped him in the face. The SEC's got a little bit better. It slapped him in the face a little bit. They had a nice win this weekend at Arkansas where they played pretty poor in the first half. They didn't score very much. Uh, and like I said, I'm surprised Arkansas is so bad this season. They really hit the portal hard this year. They're bad. They're just not a good team. All right, a little Purdue flavor early on to this edition of the Pop Quiz now that I look at it. Uh, and, of course, we do have a hockey question here to start the week. Nothing says gouge my eyes out like that. Uh, 317-239-1070. Andy Sweeney, oh, number goodness. one uh, through eight. I'm going to be the number. I, I'll go, uh, let's go with number three, Mark. How does that sound? Who do we have? Mike. There's two Mikes. This is Mike number one. Oh. Mike, good morning. How are you, man? Hey, I'm not too bad, guys. How y'all doing? Hey, Mike. Doing well, man. How was the weekend? Uh, I wasn't too bad. I'm trying to get over this stupid cold, but I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there, so... You and me, brother. I think everybody in the nation right now has got something along those lines here. Uh, Mike, you got an early Super Bowl pick. You going 49ers or Chiefs? Uh, I'm going to go with the Niners, man. I think I think that defense was too much, and I don't know. I really don't know if Kansas City is going to have an aperture for CMC. Uh, he's, he's, been, he's probably been outside of Lamar. He's probably been the best offensive player in the league this year. Yeah. The most consistent as well. One area that... I felt like has got to get dialed up more from San Francisco, and they've invested in a lot. They need more from that D line. If you're going to get after Mahomes, they need. I mean, yeah, Chase, Chase Young, Young he was, wasn't whoa. good. It was some ugly moments from him because, again, the thought is if you double Nick Bosa, we've got some other guys up front. And Andy, if you think back to that first Super Bowl between the 49ers and Chiefs a few years ago, the guy that wrecked that game and a huge reason why San Francisco had a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter was to force Buck. Yep. In that game. So I just great point. That is going to be vital, vital for the 49ers. Mike, always good to hear your voice. Andy Sweeney, go ahead and toss number one on him. All right, Mike, let's get a winner here on this Monday. Question number one. In Purdue's win at Rutgers on Saturday, Zach Eady reached both the 2,000-point and the 1,000-rebound plateaus in his career. Name another boiler with 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds in a career. Is it? Oh, uh, boy, I don't know if I know how to say the first one here. Help me here. Terry Dishner, Walter Jordan, Joe Barry Carroll, or is Edie the first? That's a mean thing that Scotty did at the end there. Or is Edie the first? Uh, Edie's the first. This guy got, this guy just get fired from Green Bay. Right, Close you know it's crazy. He was a great. He was a, he was a Purdue great that he went on to yeah. be the DC. Oh, he did the Green Bay Packers. Mike, uh, what'd you say? Sorry. Uh, I'm trying to think of a a, a Purdue that went to Green Bay that just got fired. <laughs> um, they have a similar name, I believe, is what KB was getting at there. You talk like Link Link Dharma. Is that the guy that just got fired? <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to number two, Mike. Mike, Mike sorry about that. Edie's just the sixth player in Purdue history to reach 2,000 points. Rick Mount, with no three-point line, right, is the school's all-time wow. leading. That's kind of what I use doing. I use doing that, you know, to honor one of the to honor Rick Mount. One of the finest. Their from Lebanon, season's right? all about Rick Mount. Uh huh. Branch McCracken would be happy watching IU play right now. Rick Mount's the school's all-time <laughs> leading scorer. 
with 2,323 points in just three seasons of play. Name the other Purdue player to score 2,000 career points despite playing in West Lafayette for just three seasons. Wow. Would that be Etwan Moore, Carson Edwards, Terry Dissinger, Dave Shellhouse? Etwan Moore. All right, question number three. The San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs will meet uh, in Super Bowl 58 in Vegas. The Niners advanced by beating the Lions last night. If they had lost, the Niners would have become just the third team since 1970 to lose three straight conference championship games. Name the last team to drop three straight conference championship games. Good question. Is it the 49ers? Is it the Cowboys, the Oakland Raiders, or the Cleveland Browns? Um, what was choice two and three? Cowboys or Raiders? I'm going to go with the Raiders. Number four here, Mike. 40 years ago today, the first NBA slam dunk contest was held during All-Star Weekend in Denver. Who won the inaugural NBA dunk contest in 84? Ooh. Larry Nance Sr.? Spud Webb, Dominique Wilkins, or Julius Irving? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go with Larry Nance. I kind of forget, like, his kid was at, at a decent NBA. Oh, yeah. Here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, question number five. Last one. Happy 59th birthday to Hockey Hall of Fame goalie and two-time NHL MVP Dominique Hoshik. The Dominator started his NHL career with the Chicago Blackhawks, splitting time in his first two seasons with the Indianapolis Ice of the IHL. He would then be traded to Buffalo uh, for the 1992-93 season, where he obviously became a star and a Hall of Famer. Name the Blackhawks' starting goalie who made the Dominator expendable. Was it Jimmy Waite, Darren Pang, Eddie Belfour, Jeff Hackett? Uh, man. I'm, yeah, Jeff Hackett. Boy, we were doomed from the start there. Yeah, I, I, I get. I'm gonna raise my hand. I think I might have butchered that. Your Joe Barry. I was kind of hoping he'd ask me for Packers. answers again. I mean, I couldn't yeah. just hand hold him the whole time there. I mean, starting goalie talk is going to well, sure. But anybody. I thought we could have got off to a better start. <laughs> oh goodness, uh, Joe would Barry. Get one of them. Carroll. That was the other boy there with two thousand points and a thousand boards. Not. Edie is the first. Joe Barry Carroll, what draft pick, Scotty? Two? I thought he was even higher than that. <laughs> yeah, he missed that one. Dave Shellhouse, Dallas Cow. Did he miss them all besides Nance? I think he missed them all other than Nance, yeah. Those are difficult. Well, it was uh, it was fun while it lasted. Matt, the career of Tristan Thompson with the Pacers. <laughs> I guess maybe that the, who he's talking probably about. saying that about Bruce Brown. Was that, yeah, who was that? Was that over Tristan Thompson? That was. Yeah, that was Carlisle. <laughs> he was there for like five days after the latest suspension news on that front. Maybe not the end of the world there. Well, we'll see if Rick Carlisle has any news for us tomorrow. Again, Tyrese Halliburton back to practice today. Pacers off to take on the Celtics tomorrow night. It is a three-game win streak for Indiana. After losing three in a row, they now have won three in a row. We'll chat about that, and we'll close out one final time here. All right, we have the Super Bowl set, so we'll get to that here in a couple weeks, a little under a couple weeks. That's going to be all out in Vegas. I did see the Luxor is going to be the media, two things on the media. Number one, the Luxor 
is going to be where the media uh, is staying there in Vegas. Now, that's the one that's shaped like a pyramid. I've stayed at that uh, one. And, and what I have not stayed at that one. I mean, obviously, I've been around it, but I've not stayed at that one. But it's going to be one whole side is going to be a Dorito chip. Oh. And I figured you're a Dorito guy, yeah. so you would love that. Uh, number two, the Luxor is supposed to smell like you are sitting inside a cigarette, a lit, c- <laughs> a lit cigarette. So is the media going to complain about that? And the and the why not smell like a nacho cheese Dorito? Well, that's what I'm saying. And the Luxor uh, might be the one. If you remember Ursay at the beginning of the season, remember he, his band played at Lucas Oil, and the magician that was there, and I'm blanking on his name, and uh, Chris Angel sure. was there. Remember yeah. that? Uh-huh. Right. Chris Angel, he's the one that infamously levitated above the Luxor. That they had the light that wow, wow. shined you, up the into the. You like the that, media don't hotel. you? You like that. So that's the media hotel. The other media thing that I was now, laughing both teams at. They're not even saying close, right? To the strip? No, no, no. Did I see they're both no, like a half no, hour off? No, the strip. no, 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 no. You Near keep the your, Bunny Ranch, yeah, maybe. You, you no? keep your players no, uh, no, no, 30, no, yeah. 40 minutes away oh, yeah. from all the sin and other items that will the be very close look to them. Incredible, by the way. Well, I'm sure they do. I mean, it'll, it'll be fantastic. But no, they're not going to be staying down there uh, with all the street performers and other things that happen down uh, in Vegas. The other thing, card collect on the strip. I yeah, think. yeah, the, yeah. No. The other, th- not the only thing you collect. <laughs> the other thing that I laughed at was just when Taylor Swift came down to the field to meet her man after the win last night, just all of the sports, me- the smelly sports media. Zach Kiefer was right there. That was, he got a picture. That was around Taylor Swift made me eternally happy that she, you know, because, you know, she's never had to deal with the sports, the, the smelly sports media, and she was right down there on the field with him. So good for her. Yeah, Zach good Kiefer, for the Chiefs. Uh, was he really? Picture, said he can't wait to show his daughters. Oh, we, that's great. We need to get Zach on here, Mark, for the Super Bowl. I, uh, I believe he has been to, is it every Chiefs playoff game so far? It sounds right. Yeah, we had the, him on a couple weeks ago. Is that the uh, Miami game? Yep, that's the, the game the we had him on. Weather. He might have gone to Buffalo in, in between the, well, yeah, that would have been Kansas City too. So yeah, I think he's been to everyone here. Uh, I don't know, maybe he was at Baltimore, Houston. Now that I think about it, but uh, yeah, we'll have hopefully have some uh, you know, Super Bowl related guests from a local angle. Not a lot of flavor. Um, I did think yesterday he made another impact play, recovering that fumble and had a couple key pass rush moments. George Karloftis, yep, obviously the Purdue product, the Lafayette product, and then Drew Tranquil, who I loved at Notre Dame. Actually, I believe was a Purdue commit at one point, and then decommitted and went to Notre Dame. Uh, he came over from the Chargers in the offseason. He had a big, I think it was a third down stop as well. He's been pretty effective for them. So that's the Kansas City local angle. A few more with San Francisco. Um, I know that uh, Randy Gregory, the HSC product, who's bounced around to a few teams, uh, he is there. Uh, former Colt George Odom, former Colt Matt Pryor, former left tackle Matt Pryor is one of the backup offensive linemen there. Willie Sneed, a Ball State native. On their practice squad, Cam Jones, IU linebacker. So a few more with uh, with um, San Francisco there, but not a lot from a um, uh, impactful standpoint, I guess. Is the know. media scrum on the field after a game kind of like a court storm for media types? <laughs> they because they're always covering a the game, they never I can't get say to do I've it. Ever been part of that? You know, I, I covered one Super Bowl and. Um, I just waited in kind of the bowels of Lucas Oil, and that's where they had a bunch of podiums set up for. Uh, I, I do remember Belichick, not almost his security guard kind of almost like ran me over. I just was not paying attention at all. He's like, out of the way, out of the way. 
And uh, he went up there to the podium because that was a crazy scene. Uh, Giants Patriots Super Bowl. But yeah, yes, I, it was I, Kevin. It field. was a crazy scene. It was a great scene. What a fan! One of the finer moments in the city, the history in the city of Indianapolis. I, was say, I think the city of Indy would actually agree <laughs> with you on that. I just real quick, we'll talk about this as we go. A couple minutes. Obviously, we'll uh, have. There'll be a lot of narratives leading up to Super Bowl Fifty Eight. The answer you're, you're going to say Baltimore future wise because of Lamar Jackson long term contract and everything else, but the AFC is a beast. Who leaves yesterday, like, dejected the most long-term, do you? It would be Detroit just simply because they're never there, and now they have to get back there. It's year three under Campbell. They hadn't been there until this year. I think it's a very good point, though, you bring up about the conferences. I mean, AFC's a beast. You know, Baltimore last year was just a fringe playoff team. And and Lamar, I think you do worry about his health. I mean, you know, this year, obviously, he stayed healthy. But, you know, each of the last two Decembers, of course, he got hurt, and that greatly impacted what Baltimore was able to do the rest of the season. I like Detroit's young skill a lot. And Jared Goff showed me something this season. I thought Goff was better than I thought. He I could totally be. agree. Um, but, you know, the the Ben Johnson domino, you know, do they lose him? How does that impact things moving forward? And, again, I know we'll have this up on the podcast, but to me, as egregious as the first decision was, in my opinion, not to kick the field goal there up 24-10, uh, I thought the end of the game and deciding to run it on the third and goal was honestly more just dumb than than any of those other debates. It made no sense to me. Didn't check out. You put all your eggs into now an onside kick basket uh, after that, um, running the risk there of if you get stopped, you got to burn timeout, and at that point, the game's all but over. So I know a lot of criticisms to D- Dan Campbell in regards to the fourth down decisions with the field goals, and to be fair to Campbell as well, as much as we've talked about that, his players had about a handful of moments that they could have stopped the bleeding as well, and they just didn't. They just didn't make any plays, except for the St. Brown uh, long play in the fourth quarter. I mean, whether it's a ball deflecting off a face mask that Brandon Ayuk catches, and it's a big play there, uh, or it's drop passes by Josh Reynolds, not my man Craig Reynolds, who I slandered earlier. And the reason I ask that question is, the Lions wake up today dejected that they did it to themselves. The Ravens have to wake up a little bit and say, we have coach, quarterback, dominant defense, and we can't win a home game. Yeah, but you know, I, it's I, just I two Baltimore different things. I a lot of self-inflict. I mean, the yep. eight penalties for 95 yards, the Zay Flowers taunting and then fumble, Lamar thrown into triple coverage. Like, yes, I, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from, but man, Baltimore just shot themselves in the foot. What, so. what'd you guys say? Remember what I told you? What was the guy's name? Was it Sean Smith? Who was the referee in the Ravens Chiefs mm-hmm. game? First thing I did was look up those penalties. Well, Baltimore Eight to three. Bunch of idiots. They deserve all of them. <laughs> I know it's I know it doesn't hold true, but it did make me smile when uh people were talking about the officiating coming from that game. I, I tried to tell the guys. Ravens just gotta be concerned too, because Lamar was healthy, but Mark Andrews is banged up. How much does Odell Beckham have left oh, in the Odell's tank? Done, I think yeah. I think they're just kinda circling the drain right now. And they're now. just in a loaded division. Yeah, the AFC's loaded, loaded. Loaded division. Rick Carlisle tomorrow, 8 o'clock. We'll see where Tyrese Halliburton is ahead of their trip to Boston. Again, at Boston Tuesday, at New York Thursday, home to Sacramento on Friday. That's the schedule for the Pacers this week. Indiana, Iowa tomorrow night. Purdue Northwestern on Wednesday. Thank you to Pat Forty. Everybody have a great Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.